You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I look. I happen to look at my computer. My computer, which is provided for, it's actually I'm still using the one from my former employer. So this is not one that I purchased, but it runs standard Windows software, and it tells you the time when it goes into screensaver mode, and it kind of puts up an image of I don't know nothingness, just a random cityscape or a random landscape. It's got the time up there, and it has a reminder in the lower left-hand corner that tomorrow, which for those of us on the East Coast is now today, that tomorrow is Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes, that's right. My computer gave me a reminder that today, Monday, is Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, 30 years ago, when Berkeley, California, moved to make Columbus Day Indigenous Peoples Day, um, they were the outliers. Over the last 30 years, and it was 1992, that was the first day, that was the first Indigenous Peoples Day that uh, the city of Berkeley renamed Columbus Day as Indigenous People Day. In the last 30 years, this is becoming gradually no longer the exception. This is becoming the rule. And I want to tell you why I think this is a shame. I also want to tell you why I think the opponents to this are taking a little bit of an incorrect tact. It seems like every year the people that are the loudest voices in opposition to decolumbiizing, I think, is that, can we make that word? Okay. Decolumbiizing the holiday are the Italian groups. You see a lot of, um, you know, the Sons of Italy. You see the Italian-American One Voice Coalition. You see... Uh, the Columbus Citizens Foundation, a lot of groups that celebrate the Italian culture and Italian-American culture, they're the loudest voices. And I think that's a shame because it's very easy to then write this off as just an Italian thing when in actuality the importance of Columbus to all of um, the Western Hemisphere and all of civilization as a whole is incredibly significant. And it should not be something that is limited only to Italians, in my view. This is not an Italian holiday, even though that is an aspect of this uh, because of how it's been celebrated in America over the last couple of hundred years. This is not a day just to honor uh, Italian heritage. It's not. It has become that, but it's so much more than that. And I think it's important that we celebrate Columbus Day 
and remember Columbus. And I th- look, if you want to know where we've come in the last 30 years, we are going in the wrong direction. At least 12 states don't celebrate Columbus Day. Alaska, Hawaii, Iowa, Louisiana, Maine, Michigan, New Mexico, North Carolina, Oregon, South Dakota, Vermont, Wisconsin, Washington, D.C. I know they're not a state, but they sort of count. South Dakota. And there's a bill in New York to do the same thing, to take Columbus out of Columbus Day and rename it as Indigenous People Day. And now let me be very clear about a couple of things. One, I recognize that Columbus did a lot of uh, horrible things, horrible things, not not things that were okay in 1492 and are not okay in 2022. He did a lot of things which were inexcusable in 1492, and he paid a lot, a, a big price for that, both at the time and in the ensuing 530 years as part of his legacy. That's a fact. Um, number two, I also recognize the substantial contributions that indigenous peoples have made to this continent, and there is no reason that there shouldn't be an Indigenous Peoples Day. There should be an Indigenous Peoples Day. But I don't think that it should be stolen from Columbus Day. Um, Let's have a separate holiday commemorating the substantial contributions of the indigenous people, or as uh, South, uh, South Dakota calls it, Native American Day. Let's do it. Let's have an Indigenous Peoples Day parade. But what we do here... When we have uh, these groups trying to take Columbus Day away and make it Indigenous Peoples Day, what we do in a circumstance like that is we've essentially said that we're pitting one group against another. And I don't mean American Indians versus um, uh, Italian Americans. I mean we're taking a group that wants to celebrate Columbus and remember his contributions to the the, the civilization and – we are pitting them against people that want to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. And there's no reason for that. Um, it would be almost like saying, well, let's cancel ha- a Christmas and only make it Hanukkah. No, no, no. Let's have Christmas and Hanukkah. Let's do that. Um, Christopher Columbus is one of only – and by the way, it's not just his holiday that is being removed. At least 36 monuments to Christopher Columbus have been removed Since the 1970s, more than 6,000 places in the U.S. took their name from Christopher Columbus. There's Columbus in Ohio, Indiana, Arkansas, New York, Wisconsin, and, of course, our nation's capital, the District of Columbia. Who would have thought in the days of the Washington Redskins that the most controversial aspect of their name would not be the Redskins, but it would be Washington and D.C.? So there are streets, there are avenues, there are traffic circles, parks. Rivers, lakes, mountains, all named for Columbus. There are also 149 public monuments to Columbus in this country, which makes him the third most venerated figure among U.S. monuments and memorials in this country. That's remarkable. Um, Only Lincoln and Washington are more ubiquitous than Columbus. But the tide is turning uh, because Columbus's name is being... I don't know, I, I don't know, uh, besmirched. His fame is is being curdled. And this has been a trend that has gone back to the 1970s. At least 36 public monuments to Columbus have been removed. It's probably much more than that because some are removed for different reasons. And over time, 
um, the veneration of Christopher Columbus has taken many different forms. And right now, he is on the downhill. He's on the decline. And I think that is a, a real, real shame because Columbus, who was a polarizing figure even in his own time, um, he came back from one of his voyages from the Americas in, in shackles. He was controversial even in the 15th century and the 16th century. And uh, he should be. What I think we should do on Columbus Day is celebrate Columbus's achievements, celebrate how the world was changed because of Christopher Columbus's abilities as an explorer and as a navigator and for what he did. And let's use it as an opportunity to have a discussion about Columbus. Let's use it as an opportunity to debate the good, the bad, and the ugly about Columbus. Let's use it as an opportunity to teach children and adults, quite frankly, about his substantial contributions to Western civilization, and let's give them an opportunity to question why he did this, why he did that. Because eventually, that if you, if you no longer even know Columbus Day is a holiday, when is going to be your opportunity to debate Columbus to question his motives, to second-guess the things that he might have done. Let's use Columbus Day as an opportunity not just to celebrate ethnic pride, but to look at the totality of Columbus's legacy. So um, there are only a handful of people in the history of the world who have genuinely changed the course of human civilization. You got Jesus Christ, right? You got Muhammad. I'm going to throw George Washington in there. I I think you could probably make a case for Napoleon or Alexander the Great or Alexander the Great, but I think you'd be hard pressed to name someone that has changed the course of the world and human civilization itself more than Christopher Columbus has. And yet we're going to take down his statues, rename these cities and take away his holiday? That makes no sense whatsoever, in my judgment. Um, Before Christopher Columbus, there were no potatoes in Ireland. Think about that. Think about that. Um, How identified Ireland is with the potato. And there were no potatoes in Ireland. You know what else there were none? There was no chocolate in Switzerland. No chocolate in Switzerland. What do you think of when you think of Switzerland? You think of chocolate. You know what else was different pre-Columbus? And in the grand scheme of things, in historical perspective, 530 years is nothing. There was a lot of history before 1492. There were no tomatoes in Italy. Can you imagine Italy with no tomatoes? There were no oranges in Florida. Um, This is a different world because of Christopher Columbus. There were no horses, really, in North America. And you think about a person who's been able to change the course of civilization like that. And I think that's something to celebrate. I don't know about you, but I'm celebrating Columbus Day and always will, irrespective of what my computer says. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I realize I said a lot of that last year as well, and I don't want to repeat all of the same things that I'll that I said last year, but it rings true, and sometimes I think it needs some repeating. 
And the only other thing I'll say on this front is while Columbus did do a lot of bad things, even by the standards of his own history, of his own time, rather, I think it is absurd to judge a person who lived 530 years ago by the standards of 2022. It makes no sense. Honestly, we're at a place in life and in history where if you lived 50 or 60 years ago, it was a different world. You know what? If you worked in an office 50 or 60 years ago and you were a man and there was an attractive woman in the office, I'm not saying it's right. It certainly wasn't. But it was considered normal to whistle at her or to, um, you know, uh, try to uh, catcall her in some way or to make a remark about how attractive she was. Everything that would be considered textbook sexual harassment in 2022. And yet... It was not only accepted in the 50s and 60s. It was the standard. It was the standard. So I don't think we can judge somebody from 1955 by the workplace standards of 2022. Additionally, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, and if anybody ever gave me a hard time at school, somebody was pushing me or bullying me or making fun of me or something along those lines, you know, uh, or somebody hit me. You know what my dad would tell me if I was nine years old or ten years old? My dad would tell me, hit him back harder. Hit him twice as hard. Um, and that was considered what you did back then. These days, that's the kind of thing that gives you, that gets you suspended, maybe even expelled from school. Now, I, I, I mentioned that just to illustrate how much history changes in 20, 30, 40, 50 years how about 500 years? So how do we de-holiday, de-statue, de-name someone who lived centuries ago? It, and you know where they don't do this? Italy. It, it, I visited Italy. There's statues. There's monuments. There's names honoring uh, the era of the R- Romans when they were polytheistic and were feeding Christians to the lions. There's uh, statues, monuments, memorials, etc., honoring the Romans in the era they were Christian. There's um, monuments commemorating fascist Italy, commemorating fascist Italy. There are statues, and not one or two, many all over the place. There are statues commemorating folks that died fighting alongside the Nazis against Americans, and they're honored. And nobody's trying to take them down. And yet, for some reason in America, we think this is what you're supposed to do. You know where they did this? They did this in the Soviet Union. If you fell out of favor with the Politburo, they would erase your picture from wherever it was. They would take your picture down and pretend that you had never existed, almost like back to the future, trying to erase you from history. And I don't think that's what America should be. I think we should learn from history and at least know enough about history that we can, I don't know, debate it, discuss it, study it. I think this this fetish for attacking Columbus, it's short-sighted, ill-conceived, mean-spirited, counterproductive, and stupid. I'd love to hear your view, and you're welcome to disagree. 
800-848-9222. Throughout the next four hours, we're going to do some other things. We didn't do denunciations on uh, Friday, so this is going to be one of those rare Mondays where we do both commendations and denunciations. In the future, it may be even as rare as a, a state or a city that commemorates Columbus Day. But um, we're going to tell you some things about Columbus that you don't know. As I mentioned, Columbus was a very controversial figure, a very polarizing figure. And because he's such a larger-than-life figure, there's a lot of myth around Columbus. There's stuff that people have just made up. There's stuff that people just don't know. There's a lot of debate about different aspects of Columbus's life historically. And we're going to get into that as well. 800-848-9222. That's 800 848 22. This is the other side of midnight. Uh, let me say a quick hello to Patricia in the Marinette. Hello, Patricia. How are you? Great. Thanks. Yes, my grandmother's going to be 98 years old. And she grew up in Marinette, New York. And 100% Italian. She's calibrated. And she's disgusted by everybody who to take Columbus down. And everything. Well, I'm with her, Patricia. I don't uh, I don't blame her. And I would just add, I know a lot of people feel the same way that are of Italian descent like I am. And uh, happy Columbus Day to you and to your grandmother. God bless her. Hopefully she lives a, a long time. But as I said, I don't think the need to preserve Columbus Day and to protect Columbus Day should be an Italian thing. I think it should be an American thing, and a European thing, and a South American thing, and a Latin American thing, and, yes, an American Indian thing. And I recognize that, um, you know, uh, Columbus's reputation, deservedly so, uh, in the American Indian community, is not the best. Let's talk about why and what lessons we can learn from that in the future. And it's not just... um, lessons about warfare. It's not just lessons about slavery. It's not just lessons about Christianity. It's not just lessons about the spice trade and gold. It's lesson, It's not just lessons about exploration and navigation. It's lessons about disease. It's disease. Because it's true, Columbus and his crew did kill a lot of American Indians. But do you know how they killed most American Indians that they came in contact with? By breathing. By breathing. Because by coming to this continent and exposing the people that were living here to all sorts of germs that they didn't have immunity to, it led to a lot of people dying. Now, um, don't you think that's an important thing to keep in mind as we talk about this pandemic, that pandemic? Um, I just I don't see the value in taking Columbus out of Columbus Day. How, let's have an Indigenous Peoples Day. Absolutely. But don't take it away from Columbus Day. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
1492, three ships sailed out the sea, the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria. And as they sailed the stormy sea on that historic day, from way up in the crow's nest you could hear Luigi say, Please, Mr. Columbus, the the ship around. Take me back, I want to feel my two feet on the ground. Why you tell Isabella that the world is round? Please, Mr. Columbus, the turn of the ship around. But Chris took out his mandolin and he began to play. They sang and danced da 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 until the break of day. They ate up all the provolone and drank up all the wine. But still up in the crow's nest you could hear Luigi crying. Please, Mr. Columbus, turn the ship around. Take me back, I want to feel my two feet on the ground. Oh, why you tell Isabella that the world is round? Please, Mr. Columbus, turn the ship around. Ah, yes, the great Lou Monty uh, singing Please, Mr. Columbus. It is Columbus Day. I enjoy celebrating Columbus Day. And uh, I don't, I'm disgusted, quite frankly, at the attempt to remake it as Indigenous Peoples Day. And I don't say that as an Italian. I say that as an American and a world citizen. Because the fact of the matter is, the world, the planet Earth, is a better place because of the work that Christopher Columbus did. That is a fact. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Steve is in Brooklyn. Hello, Steve. Hey, Frank. I love your show. Thank you. You're, you're totally right. He made a huge contribution to the world, but he was a very bad guy. When I learned what kind of guy he was, and I wouldn't say controversial, by the standards of his day, he was a psychopath. People knew it. That's why he was in chains and uh, thrown in prison back in uh, in uh, Spain. Uh, he deserved it. He was a crazy psychopath. And uh, you, you, if you go to Italy, you won't see any statues to Mussolini. Uh, there shouldn't be. And there shouldn't be a statue. I've decided a long time ago when I found out what kind of guy he really is, as you, you acknowledge. Uh, but it's worse. You don't name his crimes, but they're shocking. And uh, I, I decided that uh, Galileo looks to, to me the same as, uh, as Columbus. So I've made all those statues into Galileo, and he made a much greater revolution in the world. Uh, well, By the I, way, his- I, I'm not taking anything away from Galileo, uh, and I'm okay. all for, if you wanted to have a Galileo day, I'm all for doing that as well. Yes, in, Italy, yes. uh, in Italy, there are a number of monuments to both Mussolini and fascist monuments that were put under, put up under Mussolini that are still standing. I, I, uh, That's I, true. You know, so there are. Um, uh, you know, so there Not are. Not to Mussolini. There's no statue of Mussolini, to my knowledge. I never saw one. Um, well, so I, I, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's accurate. But I'll, I'll look that up, okay. right? And we'll see if that's, uh, we'll see if that's right. the case now. But Steve, there are on the phone right now one, two, three people. Three people that are asking the question, um, what did Columbus do that was so bad? Since I just said, even though I'm admittedly a Columbus fan, I just said that Columbus Day should be used as a day for looking at the the totality of the man. Give folks an answer to why is Columbus such a a bad guy? Uh, He was a brutal dictator. 
Uh, he uh, cut people. He would mutilate and torture people. Uh, he practiced child sex slavery. Uh, I guess you'll have to check all this stuff out. There was a priest, Bartolome de las Casas, who uh, was the first to kind of rat out, although his own letters, Columbus was uh, so maniacal. He, he, you know, he only cared about wealth and uh, power. And he, in his own letters, he admitted to many of the terrible things he did. Uh, if they didn't, if the Indians didn't give him gold, they, he cut their hands off. And when he was uh, ruling Hispaniola, he was a tyrant. He was a, a despicable human being. But he did make a great. But and the other point I'd add is, historians will tell you that somebody else would have done it in a year or two later. This was inevitable this discovery that you're right columbus is the one who did it but it's unfortunate that he was a nut and he never to his dying day acknowledged he discovered something he thought he only just well he discovered the route to the asia right he thought he he went to hey uh steve hang on i'm gonna have you uh address some of the people that are that are asking about this well no but i mean i'm all just nobody should yell at one another we want to you know we want to have a respectful discussion about this because if if you know i'm of the contention that we should keep this holiday and if other Mm -hmm. people want to agree with me or disagree with me then at least they should have an idea why folks want to take Columbus Day away. Marie is in New Jersey. Hello, Marie. Hey. Hey, Frank. How's everything? Everything's great. Thank you. That's good. I love the show. Thank you. Um, Okay, I heard what he said, so I never really knew that because I learned about Columbus in grammar school, and it wasn't, you know, it was taught the way history was taught without all the murderous stories behind it. Uh, what I'm sick of, though, is the fact that there's constantly these little people that somehow change the history in our country, and I don't think it's healthy to just take an eraser and erase history. And not just our country, Marie, but all of, uh, really, all of the Western Hemisphere as we now know it, North America, South America, Haiti, Santo Domingo. Hey, uh, Steve, thank you, Marie. Steve, um, what about, look, um, where would this continent be today without European colonization, which did come about as a result of these Colombian voyages? Doesn't that count for something? Isn't that something oh, worth celebrating? I so agree. He, it, 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 it's one of the great revolutions of the world. He 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 did it. It's you're so right. But so so isn't the solution, the Steve? To, isn't the solution yeah. um, rather than take the holiday away? Let's use it as an opportunity for an honest discussion about Columbus, not make him into a demigod-like hero, not make him into, uh, although it sounds like you do think he's a pretty big villain, even by the standards of the day. Why not use this as an opportunity to do what we're doing and have an honest discussion about Columbus? Well, uh, you know, this is why I love you. You, you, have, you can see all sides at one time. I, I agree. Uh, I, 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 and by the way, I agree with you. I, I would not take – I don't think it's right to judge the past by our standards. I wouldn't take down slave owners' statues or that wonderful statue of Teddy Roosevelt uh, should should have stayed where it was. Uh, but it's just that Columbus was just that awful. Well, <laughs> I hear you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. 
Uh, I think, you know, we're going to agree to disagree, right? Uh, the bottom line is uh, Columbus did do a lot of things that were pretty brutal. That being said, he independently discovered the Americas, even if he didn't know that he did. He discovered a viable sailing route to the Americas, which changed the world for centuries. Who else has done that? Who else? Eric the Red and Leif Erikson didn't do it. Um, he led the first European expeditions to the Caribbean, Central America, South America. And um, his settlement in Hispaniola provided Spain the strategic advantage for expansion in the New World. Uh, I think colonization was a positive. Again, maybe it's easy for me to say because I'm the descendant of the colonizers, not those that you know were colonized. But he had a major impact on the history of mankind. That's something worth celebrating. You know what? We, Alexander the Great wasn't exactly um, he wasn't exactly a piker, and yet um, we still recognize his accomplishments and the way he changed the world. The same thing with with. Napoleon. Prior to Columbus, the old world had never seen a catfish, never seen a tomato. In America, the people that lived here had never seen a cow or an apple. Um, And due to this, what they call the Columbian Exchange, a lot of crops and animals were introduced to both continents, the New World and Europe. If we're not going to celebrate that, what are we doing? Come on. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to um, Loretta in Brooklyn. Hello, Loretta. Hi. uh, Good evening. Um, My head is not here. I don't know where it is. Uh, I was just listening to Dominic, but you're not Dominic. Uh, Not, not. Unfortunately for me, I'm not, Loretta. No, but I forgot your name. It just it went out the window. Uh, my name is not important. No, it's important to me. Just call me Frank. Good, 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 good. No, I'm 77, and it flies out the window. But anyway, this is going to sound really lame, but all I learned in school back then was in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's it. Well, we didn't I didn't hear any of this. So, Loretta, I think we've gone um, from one extreme to the other. I think when maybe you were in school, and thank you for the calling, um, and if you don't like anything you hear, just remember, blame Dominic Carter for that. But um, I think when you were in school, we had a tendency to whitewash history and to look at history through rose-colored glasses. And um, now we have a tendency to look at Columbus as if he's pure evil. The fact of the matter is he was not. He was not evil. Did he do some things, even by the standard of the day, that were bad? Yes, 100%. But I'd like to know, if you were in that position, what you what you would be doing. There was tremendous pressure to bring back material wealth to Spain. There was tremendous pressure to spread the gospel of Christianity. And look, these were folks, the Taino, that was the indigenous peoples that were here at the time. The Taino didn't exactly want to be 
uh, subjugated and enslaved, and who could blame them? So they resisted a lot of what Columbus was doing pretty bitterly. So Columbus had to wear a few hats. He was a politician as a governor, a brilliant sailor and navigator. And yes, he was a conqueror. So I don't think it's right to pretend that doesn't exist by taking away his holiday. And look, I said I was was discounting ethnic pride before, but um, the fact of the matter is a lot of people do take a lot of pride in the holiday. And I think it was even Bill de Blasio who, when he marched in the Columbus Day Parade nine years ago, he talked about how the history of Columbus Day has almost become divorced from the kinds of things that Columbus did. And I think that's a shame. I think we should have an honest discussion about Columbus. Celebrate the great things that he did. Criticize the poor things that he did. And make sure everybody knows about the totality of his life. which The man literally changed the world. The world would not, it would be unrecognizable had Columbus never been born. 800-848-9222. Steve is in Manhattan. Hello. All right, Big Frank. And I just want Loretta to know that I've called shows, too, and I didn't know who the host was. Um, first of all, Columbus it's is Frank, the greatest. It's Frank, by the way. Frank. Uh, well, Loretta, I'm just saying the woman who called, I want her to know that I didn't. I've called shows. I didn't know who the host was. Uh, the thing is, Christopher Columbus is the greatest, the greatest explorer we've ever known. I just want people to know that the Indians that were in the Western Hemisphere, we called Indians, you had, they had human sacrifices. The Aztecs and the Incas didn't even know each other existed. You know, it's a great point. It's a great point. This was not exactly a Garden of Eden uh, when Christopher right. Columbus arrived here. There was slavery. There was slavery among a lot of the indigenous peoples. Of course, and the, the uh, basically the people who came here were, were explorers. They weren't even immigrants, the Europeans. But I just like to say something. There are three men who are the foundation of Western civilization. Today we are looking at people, and it's the left wing who are trying to destroy it, put a record ball through Western civilization. They're destroying our schools, what they're teaching our children. They're getting rid of our history. It's not only Columbus, it's Washington. But the three men are Charles de Hammer Martel, he's the Frenchman, the French forces, he stopped the Islamic invasion of Europe in the 8th century. If he didn't stop it, Europe would have been, would have been Islamic today. George Washington is the second guy. George Washington shook off an empire. Folks, that was unheard, unheard of. This man, again, is another genius as far as I'm concerned, and he turned down the kingdom, another thing that was unheard of. And the third guy is George Washington. I mean, I mean, it's Christopher Columbus. Columbus, in his time, he's, he's a genius. He's the greatest explorer. These knuckleheads are telling him the world is flat. He's telling them it's not. He goes, I can find another route to the other side of the world, and I'm going to go in a different direction. He finds the Western Hemisphere. Without him... We would not be here today. All of us would not be here today without Christopher Columbus. They want to destroy him because he is part of Western civilization. The man is the greatest explorer ever. Deal with it. Thank you, Steve. Um, You know, what you said there is not exactly accurate, right? I mean, I agree with what you said, 80 to to 90 percent of what you said. But the truth is, um, most people that ha- were even somewhat learned did not believe that the Earth was flat in 1492. That is not true. Um, 
most people did acknowledge the fact that the world were the world was round. Um, they thought it was much smaller than it was, as did Columbus, which is why he thought that um, in the amount of distance that it took to get here, he was going to be able to get to the Far East, to uh, to Asia. But uh, no, that was even going back to the time of the Greeks. They they understood that the world was round. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Squeeze in a couple more calls here, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to some other things. Although we'll be coming back to Columbus throughout the throughout the day. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Jacqueline is in Brooklyn. Hello, Jacqueline. Good morning, Frank. Morning. I'm sorry you let the first Steve go because I really wanted to ask him what his resources were. Because the first thing that I learned when I entered the business world and I entered the world of finance uh, was to look at my resource and find out whether or not they had a biased opinion. I am personally going to look into one thing that he said as far as the letters that Christopher Columbus himself admitted to atrocities or however you want to refer to them. But the only thing that I knew was what you had mentioned, that uh, the white man, let's say, brought disease to the Native Americans. I don't think that was done with any malice, though. I mean, people no, of course not. The same thing. If they, if they had yeah. sailed to Europe, the same thing would have happened in all likelihood. Right. So that that is I don't think that's that's uh, something that can be stated that he did. that was so horrendous. No, no, no. I, absolutely not. I mean, uh, I, that that's what I, that's what my point was. So there's a lot of attempts to characterize uh, Columbus's tenure as the governor of Hispaniola as as if he participated in some sort of a genocide. And they always cite how the population went from whatever it did, 250,000 to, you know, 20,000 thereabouts. And the fact of the matter is it wasn't because Columbus killed all these people by butchering them. It was because uh, it was because, you know, of communicable diseases. The, the reality is, look, there's a lot of contemporary writing, not only from Columbus, but from uh, journals that uh, some of the other crew members were, that do that do spell out some uh, pretty rough things. Uh, uh, kidnapping uh, a Caribbean woman and giving her to one of his crew members to rape. Uh, how uh, one of the members of Columbus's crew, and we don't know if Columbus knew about this or not, but he cu- cut off um, one of the American Indians' ears to shock the others into submission, so that they would be more willing to, you know, participate in slavery. Um, you know, I mean, look, and we know he did take over fifteen hundred men and women from this continent back to Europe as slaves. I mean, that's that's well documented. But unfortunately, slavery was not the exception at the time. Slavery was the norm in the world at the that, time. That's what I was just including, say, Including so. in North America, including among right. a lot of the indigenous peoples. Yeah, so I, I still don't, I still cannot uh, think of anything, and I would invite anyone to educate me if there's something that I'm not aware of, and I would more importantly like to know what their resources are, whether or not they are viable, verifiable resources. Because I think in recent years, it, it's kind of curious why we never heard about all of these atrocities until all of these radicals came up with their woke agendas of how horrible the white man is and how anyone who is not white was oppressed. Yeah. How come this happened all of a sudden in recent history? We didn't hear about this in the past 50 or 60 years. How come it's only in recent years? Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Jacqueline. As I said to Loretta, I think one of the reasons that's the case 
is because we went from whitewashing history to, uh, I, I don't know what you could even say, blackwashing it. I don't know if that's the right term. It's probably not. But uh, to treating, to making an effort to destroy all of our heroes. When you have to recognize that most people are men, and I mean men in the general gender neutral sense. Most humans are human. They uh, There's good, there's bad, and a whole lot of gray areas. And uh, I have no interest in going through each of Columbus's crimes as for as to why the reasons he was arrested, why the reasons he was brought back in chains. Um, but I think the fact that we're even having this discussion is a discussion that wouldn't be had if it weren't Columbus Day. Right? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, Igor is in Fairfield. Hello, Igor. Yes, greetings, Frank. Uh, so Fairfield, New Jersey, one of the Italian-American capitals of northern New Jersey. Interesting enough, last year, we, while other people were taking down Columbus statues, we actually put up a brand new one. Oh, very nice. That's uh, great. Yeah, it's just, just sort of point of interest. Uh, now, based on my first name, you couldn't possibly really tell that necessarily I'm part Italian, but I am. So for you, Frank, I wanted to ask the question. So is Columbus Day a celebration of Columbus, or is it Italian-American Pride Day? It's, I think it should be both, right? Uh, but uh, the latter is because um, Americans of Italian descent have sort of adopted this as a, uh, a holiday for celebrating Italian culture and the contributions of Italians, when in actuality, I, I think that if we're celebrating Columbus alone— that's reason enough to celebrate a guy that gave us Western civilization as we know it. So I think it's both. And so in that regard, the Italians then would basically have the only, uh, you know, federal holiday then for their Pride Day, right? There's no German-American Day or... Well, there's, there's, look, there's Juneteenth, which is a federal holiday, which is, uh, which is specifically uh, me- meant to... Um, honor uh, honor the contributions of uh, of black folks and the end of black slavery on this continent. So that's that's uh, that's. But but yeah, I mean it's about Columbus, right? That's there's a reason we name the the nation's capital for him. Sure, sure. All right, very good, Frank. I appreciate it. You Thank you, Igor. You too. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Well, I, well, those of you that are holding, please continue to hold. We'll get to you. And we will um, get to a lot of different Columbus stuff throughout the course of the day. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It is Columbus Day, and uh, 
like it or not, this has been a day which has been adopted by Italians and those of Italian descent living on this continent for the last couple hundred years, as uh, well, at least the last 130 years, as a means of celebrating Christopher Columbus, uh, celebrating Christopher Columbus, and the fact that most people believe that he was Italian. Most people believe that he was. I mean, Italy was not a country, but he's from what is now Italy. So a lot of uh, people have taken this as their opportunity to celebrate the substantial contributions of Italians. I'll tell you, somebody that did that, and we're going to get into a whole discussion of the term Italian-American a little bit later on, But because I'm not crazy about it, to be honest. But somebody that disagreed with me was one of the great talk show hosts of all time. Bob Grant. Bob Grant, whose real name was Robert Ciro Giganti, was very proud of the fact that he was of Italian descent. And uh, he, especially on Columbus Day, for I think beginning in the 80s, would read a an essay. I don't know if you'd call it a poem, but he'd read an essay I believe was written by Angelo Bianchi called I Am an Italian-American. And uh, a lot of folks really took, uh, found this very stirring. And I'll tell you that um, I think it's not only written very well, but the way Bob read it was very stirring. It stirred up a lot of feelings of ethnic pride, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So uh, when I was working with Bob, much later in his career, this is around 2000. Nine, 2008, 2009, he was on an Internet network that I was involved in called Uba TV. And we got him to do this again. And you could see the video on the YouTube. In fact, maybe I'll link to it on my uh, Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Moreno fan. But I'll tell you, even though Bob was much later in his career, was not necessarily considered in his prime at this point. He still sounded great reading, I am an Italian-American. I am an Italian-American. My roots are deep in an ancient soil, drenched by the Mediterranean sun and watered by pure streams from snow-capped mountains. I am enriched by thousands of years of culture. My hands are those of the mason, the artist, the man of the soil. My thoughts have been recorded in the annals of Rome, the poetry of Virgil, the creations of Dante, and the philosophy of Benedetto Croce. From my ancient world, I first span the great seas to the new world. I am Cristoforo Colombo. I am Giovanni Caboto, known in American history as John Cabot discoverer of the mainland of North America. I am Amerigo Vespucci, who gave my name to the new world, America. First to sail on the Great Lakes in 1679, founder of the territory that became the state of Illinois, colonizer of Louisiana and Arkansas, I am Enrico Tonti. I financed the Northwest expansion of George Rogers Clark, and accompanied him through the lands that would become Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I am Colonel Francesco Vigo. 
I mapped the Pacific from Mexico to Alaska and to the Philippines. I am Alessandro Malaspina. I am Giacomo Beltrami, discoverer of the source of the Mississippi River in 1823. I am Filippo Mazze, friend of Thomas Jefferson. And my thesis on the equality of man was written into the Bill of Rights. I am William Parker, signer of the Declaration of Independence. I created the Dome of the United States Capitol. They called me the Michelangelo of America. I am Constantino Brumidi. In 1904, I founded in San Francisco the Bank of Italy, now known as the Bank of America, the largest financial institution in the world. I am A.P. Giannini. I am Enrico Fermi, father of nuclear science in America. First enlisted man to win the Medal of Honor in World War II, I am John Bassalone of New Jersey. I am the million strong who served in America's armies and the tens of thousands whose names are enshrined in military cemeteries from Guadalcanal to the Rhine. I am the steelmaker in Pittsburgh, the grower in the Imperial Valley of California, the textile designer in Manhattan, the movie maker in Hollywood, the homemaker and the breadwinner in 10,000 communities. I am an American without stint or reservation, loving this land as only one who understands history its agonies and its triumphs, can love it and serve it. I will not be told that my contribution is any less, nor my role not as worthy as that of any other American. I will stand in support of this nation's freedom and promise against all foes. My heritage has dedicated me to this nation I am proud of my full heritage, and I shall remain worthy of it. I am an Italian-American. Uh, the great Robert Ciro Giganti. I'll tell you, the guy had a way, not just with words, because those were words written by someone else, in this case, Angelo Bianchi, but the guy had a way with intonation. The guy had a way of using sound and using the full spectrum of the human voice in a way to really stir emotion. And uh, he's really missed, not just on Columbus Day, but every day. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Isabel in Manhattan. Hello, Isabel. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um, I, I heard that Columbus cared about the natives and had some of his own men killed because they had abused the natives. You know, um, it, he did absolutely have some of the Spanish killed for a variety of, uh, of crimes. I don't know if any of those included uh, abusing the native population. It could very well be the case. As I said, Isabel, I think Columbus was a thank you was a very complicated man. And uh, I don't think, um, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. But I don't know, honestly. I don't, I'm not, I don't pretend to be a 
Columbus expert. But the thing with the Columbus experts is it's still 530 years ago. So nobody was there. There's no photos. There's no videos. So you have to rely on the primary sources such as they existed at the time. All right. uh, We are going to do denunciations in just a moment because we didn't get to do it on Friday. We'll continue to take your calls and uh, tell you some aspects of Columbus's life and his work that you may not know. It is Columbus Day on this, the other side of midnight. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. All right, this is very rare. It only happens, uh, I don't know, once every five years. But... uh, Commendations and denunciations occurring on the same day. It's like an eclipse. That's right. That's right. Uh, This is big. You know, um, I used to be on just Sundays, Sunday mornings. And every Sunday, every week, I used to do both commendations and denunciations. But, you know, when you're on five days a week, you can't do that every day. So we figured, why don't we... Why don't we smooth out the week by let it by starting and ending with commendations and denunciations? But in some ways, it's nice to hear both the same day. It's like two sides of a of a different coin. Um, someone asked me, actually, a very prominent member of the media, at least formerly, kind of retired now. But this person asked me recently, f- big fan of the show, and they asked me, "How did you get started with commendations and denunciations?" And I don't really know. But I do remember how I started it. I don't remember why, but I remember how. I, w- I used to, um, I, in, when I was in high school, I used to, st- the, in the locker room in gym, there was a bench, right? And I would stand on the bench at the end of the week on Friday, and I would give commendations and denunciations to people. Now, it could have been anything. Could have been for a military hero would get a commendation or a teacher that decided to uh, suspend homework for the spring semester. And people would gather around to hear what I would say. And I would think, what do they care what I say for? I don't have any special ability to commend and denounce people. I'm not like, you know, the Ayatollah that I can issue fatwas against folks. Although I may start doing that. I may start issuing fatwas. But for whatever reason, people cared. And then... I started a little later a newsletter called the Morano Message. And in this newsletter, I would include commendations and denunciations. And wouldn't you know it, this was the most popular feature of the newsletter. And then when I started doing my own radio show, I was on a a small radio station Monday morning from 2 to 4 a.m., a radio station that most people wouldn't hear, couldn't hear. And, you know, there were not a lot of calls. There were also not a lot of guests willing to, more than you might think, but there was not a tremendous amount of guests willing to come on the radio with me at 3.30 in the morning on Monday morning. So I started uh, I started doing this kind of to fill time. And lo and behold, in all those forms, high school, gym class, newsletter, first incarnation of, of the radio show, when I would commend people and when I would denounce people, that was 
the most popular feature of the program. Such as it is, that remains the case today as we tell you who needs to be a recipient of this week's The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. I must begin by denouncing San Jose, California, the most expensive major U.S. city based on the average cost of monthly expenses. This is a report put together by uh, a bill pay service. And they released the top 50 U.S. Metro's household spend report for last year. And it broke down the comparative household costs across the 50 largest cities in the country, uh, according to the census. And the report looks at mortgage, rent, auto loan, utilities, auto insurance, cable, health insurance, mobile phone, alarm, life insurance. I thought for sure New York was going to be number one or maybe San Francisco. New York's number five. San Francisco's number two. San Jose, California is the most expensive major city based on household expenses. So if you're looking to save some money, stay out of San Jose. That's my advice to you. And for those of you who are in San Jose or San Jose itself, I mean, if you go there and you know the stakes, then that's on you. But for San Jose, I do denounce you. I must also denounce... The vandal or vandals that thought it was appropriate to vandalize the Russian consulate here in New York. You know, the president is being criticized, and I understand why, but the president's being criticized for some comments that he made on Thursday, which are 100% true. The president went and said that we are closer than ever to nuclear war. Now, he his analysis of the situation is correct, but... His solution, I think, is faulty. What he should be doing is try to take the temperature down, use a little diplomacy. And matters, as we're on the precipice of nuclear war, the closest we've been to blowing the world up since the Cuban Missile Crisis, I can't see how any moron, and I don't like to call anybody a name, but I can't see how any moron would think it's appropriate to vandalize another nation's consulate. But sure enough, East 91st Street, and just off Fifth Avenue, one thirty in the morning on Friday, they vandalized the facade of the, bu- of the building. No words were visible, just wide streaks of red paint sprawled across the ground floor facade of the building, covering windows and a set of double doors. Now, Part of this, I guarantee you, is because the American media is spoon-feeding you a constant diet of Russia-phobia, and you're hearing how terrible Russia is. And I don't know, I would never vandalize anything, okay? I don't care if it's a country's consulate or a, a statue of somebody that I don't like or whatever. What's to be gained by vandalism? So to this vandal or vandals... I do denounce you. I must also denounce the United States Army. It kills me to do it. I've known a lot of people that are Army veterans. I have a lot of respect for the Army. My grandfather, my namesake, served in the Army. Purple Heart winner in World War II. Uh, It turns out, though, that the Army Medical Research and Development Command has quietly... Shh. 
has quietly allowed shooting cats and dogs for wound experiments despite a 1983 Defense Department ban on the practice, according to a policy update that was obtained by the New York Post. While the change was made as early as 2020, it's being publicized for the first time after the Army Command turned aside a bid by PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, to find out how many such experiments had been conducted since the switch. This new policy, as the Vice President of PETA said, this new policy wasn't highlighted or publicly announced in great fanfare. They most likely would not want the PR nightmare that would ensue should this information be released. Well, let me get this out there. I want everybody to know that the Army is killing dogs and cats as part of these experiments. And that's horrific. They should not be doing that. So United States Army, well, more specifically, the Army Medical Research and Development Command, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the New York City Council, well, more specifically, whoever runs social media for the New York City Council, in a blunder that clearly showed a lack of knowledge surrounding Jewish culture, the New York City Council confused Yom Kippur with Hanukkah in a social media post showing a menorah. The post from the New York City Council featured Happy Yom Kippur alongside an image of a menorah, which was wrongly placed. Now, I don't know a lot about Jewish holidays. Even I know a menorah is for Hanukkah. How do you not know that? Come on. I do denounce you. They have apologized, so. But come on, how can you be so dense? What are they going to do for Christmas? Have an Easter basket up there? I also want to denounce the state of Hawaii, our 50th state. According to a study from, um, let's see, who did this study? I can't find the entity that did it, but. It was a study, a wallet hub. Of course, it's our friends at Wallet Hub. They're always the one that do these studies. I should, I should never even doubt myself that it's always Wallet Hub. So, Wallet Hub released a report of the best and worst states for teachers. And sure enough, Hawaii is the worst state in the entire country for teachers. So, they are having a rough time. They rank last on the, la- on the list of best states for teachers making it the worst state in the country, the state with the lowest salary for teachers. The average starting salary is the lowest. And on top of that, teachers have to deal with COVID-related issues and the learning loss that comes with that. At the start of this year, more than 1,000 Hawaii public school teachers were out. There were also hundreds of unfilled substitute teacher positions. There's staffing shortages like crazy that's contributed to major learning loss there. So uh, they compared not just salary, but work environment and uh, all sorts of other things. And sure enough, Hawaii was the worst state in the entire country for teachers. I also have to denounce Hakeem Allen. Hakeem is not a dream. He's a nightmare. This is a Louisiana person who... Is a drug dealer. Now, okay, people make life choices I agree with, don't agree with. I don't like people that are drug dealers in general. But 
this is a 27-year-old man. Do you know how he would do his drug dealing? In church. This guy would go to church and deal drugs in church. This is horrible. And serious drugs. We're not talking marijuana here. We're talking fentanyl, heroin. With a firearm, we would walk into church with heroin and fentanyl and all sorts of other drugs armed while people are trying to pray, learn a little bit more about God, and he would be dealing drugs. To me, this guy deserves not only to go to prison, but to go to hell. That's terrible. So, Hakeem Allen, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the Fairfax County Police. And I hate to denounce any police department. But um, what they have done here is really confounding. There's a woman, a Northern Virginia mother, just a plain old regular lady, innocent law-abiding mother in Northern Virginia. And the Fairfax County Police Department Officers with this department intentionally rammed into her car over the weekend with her children inside and handcuffed her. Why? Because the police <laughs> the police thought she was someone else. Now, she's asking the same question that I'm asking and everybody else is asking. Now, let's say she, she was a horrible person or they thought she was a horrible person. After all, mistakes happen. Why would you just not turn on your sirens and pull her over? Why would your first move be to ram this woman off the road with her children in the car? She's on her way to Walmart to get groceries on a Saturday afternoon. She's with her five-year-old daughter and her, and her one-year-old son and a friend of the son. And they notice a police car trailing them. Then it pulled up alongside them. When they reached the intersection to turn left onto the Walmart parking lot, the patrol cars suddenly converged on Kimball's car, and one cruiser struck the car head-on. At no point did they just say the words, pull over, which as a law-abiding citizen, she clearly would have done. So I feel terrible. I mean, if this was, if this was my one-year-old in the car, forget about it. I don't know that I'd be as restrained as this woman. They handcuffed this woman and her friend, Put her kids in a police car, draw guns at her. Again, this is a woman that's done nothing wrong. Drew, draw guns at her and her friend from both sides of the car, aiming guns at her like she's uh, El Chapo. And as she posted, Miss Kimball, uh, Jamie Kimball, she posted a video of this on social media. It's been viewed thousands of times. Um, and she said, and I really relate to this. I'm still very angry and more than anything hurt because I teach my children that the police are supposed to protect us and that if they need anything, they can call them for help. Imagine what that does to a five-year-old, that early image of police ramming your car off the road without any prior warning and drawing guns at your mother and, and taking her away when she's done nothing wrong. I mean, this is, a, this is a kid who's going to be traumatized for life because of the actions of the Fairfax County Police Department. So whatever the rules and the, and the procedures are for the Fairfax County Police, I think they need some updating. Until then, I do denounce you. 
I must announce Kevin Nesland, a Geneva County, Alabama man who has been shining lasers at military helicopters from uh, from South County Road. Federal law prohibits shining lights directly into the cockpit of an aircraft as it can cause the pilot to become disoriented or lose visibility. So this guy was shining lasers into military helicopters like crazy. What do you think is going to happen? One of them is going to crash. So through a stakeout operation, the officers apprehended this fellow and arrested him. And he was also charged with resisting arrest. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe that's who they thought Jamie Kimball was. They thought he was actually, uh, she was actually Kevin Neslin. Uh, penultimately, I want to denounce the postal workers, not all of them, because you know what a defender I am of the Postal Service, the postal workers in New York and New Jersey who engaged in a $1.3 million fraud and identity theft scheme. Sure enough, three postal employees are among the four people arrested in connection with this incredibly brazen scheme carried out in New York and New Jersey over the last four years. There's another five people facing charges in connection with the case, and they remain at large. What they would do is they would steal credit cards from the mail and use them to buy merchandise at all sorts of stores, including high-end retailers. Then they would sell some of the merchandise on the website LuxurySnob.com. So the postal workers involved with this, Devon Richards, Nathaniel Focault, and Jonathan Purseau, uh, oh, and uh, Fabiola Mompoint, they've been arrested. And um, they're horrible people that uh, I think give all the postal employees a bad name. And finally, I must announce the St. Vladimir. Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, I am waiting for the rest of the world to see that this guy has no clothes. But sure enough, the rest of the world starts, except for um, Tucker Carlson and one or, and a few other people, they just fawn over this guy like crazy. And um, Zelensky is doing whatever he can to start a nuclear war. And I recognize his country was attacked. Okay. But... He actually, on Thursday, well, actually the previous day, Wednesday, suggested that NATO should launch preventative strikes on Russia to rule out any Russian use of nuclear weapons. I want you to understand what he's actually suggesting. And if you get blown up in a nuclear war, um, as the bombs are coming down, be sure to send a thank you note to Vladimir Zelensky. So what he's suggesting is that in order to defend a country that's not in NATO, which we are not bound by any treaty to defend, we should actually, NATO should actually go and preemptively attack Russian nuclear facilities. The country, which as Richard Bay pointed out, corrected me, I thought it was the second largest stockpile of nuclear weapons in the world. He was right. It's the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons in the world. He wants us to go and preemptively attack Russian nuclear facilities to defend a country that is not even in NATO. I mean, come on. What is the who is this guy kidding? Vladimir Zelensky, I do denounce you. All right. If you have comments, 
on anybody that I have denounced, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. based on me and a trip that I made to Hollywood in 2000. That's right. Stayed at the Beverly Garland Holiday Inn, I believe. That's right. Went with my mom. Had a great time. You know who I saw when I was out there in the, in the year 2000? This is a true story. Dominic Carter. Dominic Carter. I was really, I, I think I was the only person that knew who he was on the street there. You know, Dominic Carter walks around the street in Manhattan and uh, everybody knows him. But in Hollywood at the time... I guess he was there covering the Democratic convention. Nobody knew him except me. And, uh, of course, he was as delightful as he always is. It was, it was great to see him. Now, here's something about uh, Christopher Columbus that you may not know. Did you know that Christopher Columbus saw a UFO? Did you know that? And, actually, what I said is not exactly true. Christopher Columbus saw a USO. You know what a USO is? A USO is a UFO, is the same as a UFO, but it's underwater. Now, we don't exactly know what it was, obviously, but there's a lot of theories. And I sp- the History Channel has covered this. And you know who the History Channel used when they did this? They talked about, they talked with, I should say, our go-to expert on this subject, and that's Bill Burns, Dr. William Burns, a, a, a fascinating guy, one of, the, one of my favorite guests, actually, a writer, a, the, an auditor in, in Solberry Township, Pennsylvania, a noted ufologist, a guy that is a lawyer, a Ph.D., a bright guy. And he was on this program a year ago telling us about the UFO or technically the USO that Christopher Columbus and his crew saw in 1492. Listen to this. Over 500 years ago, when Columbus was approaching, I guess, the island of Hispaniola, he called it a Hispaniola, he saw a light under the water, it was moving along uh, alongside the hull of his ship, Santa Maria, and it was 
and then he observed that the, he thought it was a fish at first. I mean, some kind of strange fish. And um, the, uh, the light moved independently. Then suddenly, to his shock, the light flew out of the water, a light, and shot up into the sky. Columbus was so amazed that he called his um, – he, uh, all of these um, vessels had scribes. And the scribes would make the log entries. The captain didn't make the log entry. The, uh, uh, the scribe made the log entry. And he calls the scribe and he says to the scribe, I want you to note this down. And he says, there was a light in the water that was following the ship and took off and flew. Nothing flies like that and flew into the sky. The sky and, and the scribe wrote it down. That's how we know from Columbus's own journal that he was the first European to see a UFO in the New World. So you could check this out for yourself. Columbus wrote about it himself in his own journal. You could see firsthand. Now, the question I asked Bill Burns is the same question that I would ask anybody, right? Whenever anybody claims that they've seen a UFO or something along those lines, is how do we know he's telling the truth? Why wouldn't he just make this up? You know, um, Columbus was very religious, believed that he was doing literally God's work in spreading the gospel of Christianity. Why? Maybe he would make something up like this that has sort of a, a biblical connotation to it to add to his myth. How do we know he didn't make it up? It's not that it was a light in the water because when um – we were down in that part of the world because people had reported UFOs in the water. We went down there to explore it, and we were in the Gulf, and we were sailing off um, those islands. And we saw lights in the water, too, but the lights in the water were aquatic life. Mm. There is aquatic life that is incandescent, and, and, and we saw it. The shock for Columbus was when this thing, A, wasn't a fish— wasn't an octopus, wasn't a squid. It was an actual craft, and it flew. That was the shocker for Columbus, that it was flying, and it had no wings. Wow. Now, um, the interesting thing about this is that the so-called UFO was not seen in the sky, where a lot of people tend to see them, but it was seen in the water. So I wondered, and I asked Bill, how common is that? How common is it for people to see things that are in the water instead of the sky? This is what Bill said. When we talked to fishermen in the Gulf of Mexico, we were down in Florida, and we were talking to fishermen who go out at night. And they were telling me that they see the strangest lights. And so obviously, you know about incandescent aquatic life. We were out there in a, in a rowboat looking for incandescent light in, in, in pitch blackness. Talk about scary. I can imagine. And um, Yeah. And um, they said, no, 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 these aren't fish. We fish these waters. We, oh, we know what fish are like. The, uh, uh, the incandescent fish are not big. They're small fish. He said, these are big lights. So we were out there, and, and he was saying, he, this fisherman was showing us where he saw these lights. 
and he was standing on the edge of his um, boat, and he, and he pointed to how big this light was. And he said, I, I didn't want to stay around to see what it was. I took off. In that part of the world, what we have heard from United States Navy undersea geologists, there, there are such things. Uh, they said that what they couldn't account for between Florida and Cuba was what they thought. It was very deep trench down there. And they said what they thought they were like cubicles, not cubicles, but cylinders, like upside down test tubes in the water. And they didn't know what they were, but they couldn't send submersible craft down to find out. So that's one. The other thing is the other uh, deep trench is off the coast of California between Santa Monica and um, San Clemente Island. And there, too, is a deep trench. And folks on Coronado Island and folks on San Clemente Island have said they have seen these same underwater objects that are very large that seem to float through that trench. So what we believe, what people who study UFOs believe, is that, A, they're not just coming here from outer space on a regular basis like uh, it's a bus schedule, (laughs) that there are bases under the sea where these creatures, they're probably us, and these craft reside. And that's what we believe, and that's why USOs, have been underneath the oceans 500 years, let's say 10,000 years. How interesting is that? I found of that to be absolutely fascinating. Curious um, what you, your reaction is, what you think. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. If you want to comment, let me say hello to Tom in the Bronx. Hello, Tom. Yes, uh, hi, hey. Frank. Hey, uh, I'd like to say, well, my my thinking is I'd like to say several things. The uh, the the grapes that they found in the New World, when they were taken back to uh, get them uh, mixed in with the uh, old time grapes of the old world, that there was some kind of an ailment in the new grapes that got to the old grapes and killed all the grapes of in Europe and the and the wine that we drink today is actually all the new grapes that came from the new world even what's grown in Europe believe that or not uh, the, the wine company had said that second of all the um, the type of uh, Food that went from the New World to the Old World, so to speak, is potatoes. Potatoes, all potatoes come from South America. And then there's the potatoes that people eat in like Brazil and all, which are monster potatoes. Somebody I know ate one, and they said it had like a bit of a metallic taste to them. Well, I mean, that's all certainly very interesting, Tom, but I guess um, what is the point, I'm wondering? Well, anyway, the, the the idea is that there are f- foods that, you know, really help the old world uh, survive. Like uh, potatoes never came from Russia, but they raised potatoes over there 
incredibly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe you're making my point that uh, all the more reason to celebrate Columbus and his contributions. Well, there's uh, well, there's a lot of things that that uh, yeah, Columbus had uh, had a definite uh, effect, but unfortunately, he had like a childlike mentality too. That everybody was just going to accept Christianity, and that uh, that he was uh, he was be, he was curing the uh, evil parts of America. The Aztecs and the Toltecs used to be at war, and that's what uh, killed off the Aztecs empire. Really, was the the other. Uh, and the other people we call Indians, or have been called Indians by Columbus, uh, they they didn't want to. Uh, they hated the Aztecs, and it, uh, it disrupted the the Aztec world. All right, uh, thank you, Tom. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Ralph is in New Jersey. Hello, Ralph. Okay. Hey, you know, Ralph. Gonna, uh, somebody somebody yeah. told me that you did. You used to reside on Staten Island. Oh, no. No, no never? No. Okay, okay. No, All right. never. Uh, I used to reside in Irvington, the north area. Uh-huh. Right, that's what uh, I you thought. Can okay. ask, you, 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 you can ask Cody Sliwa about that place because he, he knows that place inside and out. Got it. But uh, happy Columbus Day to Mama Morano, and it is more than all right for me to say that because I do not go along with the program and the agenda of Virtual Signal and cancel culture, and I denounce virtue signal and, count, uh, count, you know, cancel culture. The, this, we should cancel the cancel culture, okay? And to add to Tom's point, you know, you would not be enjoying your cigar today. I would not be enjoying an occasional tobacco today, a cigarette today, if not for the plant that was introduced into the new world called tobacco. Yeah, that, uh, that 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 is for sure. That's uh, for sure, Ralph. I, I, I think and that, we, and we would not and we would not have a hot sauce if not for, for Christopher Columbus. Think about that. So the whole totality of the man is not cannot be viewed in darkness or light or oh, plunder, compl- Ralph. I completely or, agree. I completely agree. Pl- just to and 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 um, genocide. No, he is more than that. People of course, Ralph. Come. That's Thanks. that's that's what I've been saying. Right. I mean. And if you listen to that audio from William Burns that I just played you, even if you're into the study of UFOs, you also owe a debt of gratitude to Columbus. Columbus is a tremendously important historical figure. And we should be celebrating, in my view, his contributions. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll continue straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. That famous day in history, the men of the 7th Cavalry went riding on. And from the rear a voice was heard, a brave young man with a trembling word. What am I doing here? Please, Mr. Custer, 
Sort of a comedic retelling of uh, Custer's Last Stand, which uh, I guess in some ways was the indigenous people getting back at uh, the European colonizers and their descendants for what happened 300 years before. Uh, 350, whatever, however many years. Uh, we're keeping an eye on situation at all the breaking news that's happening around the world and uh, including the situation in Ukraine. As of now, there are reports that multiple explosions have rocked Kiev early this morning following months of relative calm in the Ukrainian capital. The mayor of Kiev, Mr. Klitschko, the boxer, reported explosions in uh, the city's Shevchenko district, which is a large area in the center of Kiev that includes the historic old town as well as several government offices. So um, Lassia Vasilenko, a member of Ukraine's parliament, posted a photo on Twitter showing that at least one explosion occurred near the main building of the Kiev National University in central Kiev. So we're wishing, hopefully, as is far too often the case in war, hopefully there's not uh, a significant amount of human casualties here. We'll see. We don't have any numbers of casualties at the moment, but as we learn more about this attack in Kiev, we will bring it to your attention. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you should. Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. That's Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O-Fan. I uh, was at I went to Atlantic City on Friday to this charity dinner that I go to every year. And uh, there's, there's, I've talked about it with Harry Hurley, who is a regular guest on this show. He's a, a local radio guy down there in Atlantic City. Had a great time. Went with our general sales manager, Glenn, and uh, met a bunch of friends down there, including the former mayor of uh, Atlantic City, Don Gardy, and a bunch of other folks as well. And uh, they were honoring Congressman Jeff Van Drew. So I got to spend some time with Congressman Van Drew. He's the one that was um, kind of became a national name. He was a Democrat, conservative Democrat, representing South Jersey in the state legislature and in Congress. And then he didn't want to he didn't want to impeach President Trump. And it was made clear that if he didn't vote to impeach President Trump, he was not going to have any sort of a political future in the Democratic Party. So President Trump met with him, one, to thank him for voting against impeachment but two, to kind of recruit him to the GOP. And Van Drew made history. I think he was the first member of Congress in over 100 years um, to switch parties and then be reelected under the new party. It's very rare. Usually the elections are not kind to party switchers, but it was great to spend time with him. So I, I took a photo with him, and you could see it 
on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. You know what the one drawback of the evening was? Well, there are two drawbacks, right? So I was ahead. I lost on the stupid New York Metropolitans, a game they absolutely couldn't lose. Of course, I figure, oh, it's you know, let me bet 200 bucks. And, of course, they lost. And then I won all my money back. One and then some. I was up eight hundred dollars. Was wow. doing well. And then my two friends that I was hanging out with, I had cashed in my chips, and I kind of got separated from them. And uh, I'm looking around. Well, where are they? Where are they? I don't see them. Oh, there's a there's an empty craps table. Let me go throw the dice while I'm waiting for them. And then I lost, the, you know, a couple hundred dollars at that. I said, oh, well, I hate to lose that couple hundred dollars. They said, all right, we're going to bed. We'll see you later. I said, all right, well, I'm just going to finish this, and then I'll, I'll come up. What a mistake that was, because then I end up at the Baccarat table. I said, let me just win a couple hundred. Lost, lost my winnings and then some. So I ended up a loser. And, and that was the kind, that's the kind of foolish gambling that you only do when you're exhausted and have had uh, had a few drinks because intellectually I should have known you just go to bed when they're going to bed uh, the night's over Um, and especially because I had to come back early the next day because my wife and I had things to do she didn't come to Atlantic City I what a mistake that was so that was the one drawback here's the other one Assemblyman Robert Auth came great guy Um, I've talked about him before He's um, New Jersey Assemblyman. He gave me three resolutions that he sponsored in the state of New Jersey State Assembly honoring Bernard McGurk. And they're identical. It was passed by the state legislature. And he gave me three copies, framed and in glass. And he said, here's three. And he has a note on the back of each. Here's one for the McGurk family. Here's one for John Katzmatidis. Here's one for Sid Rosenberg. So I had to carry these three proclamations around all night, which was quite cumbersome. And then uh, one of them broke. Luckily, it was it was Sid's. So uh, Assemblyman Auth said he would give him a, a replacement. But um, it was a bit cumbersome to walk around the ca- casino, which was kind of crowded. It wasn't super crowded. It was kind of crowded carrying these three proclamations everywhere. So that was something. Uh, 800-848-9222. Paul is in New Jersey. Hello, Paul. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I, I've been listening to your show for quite a while. and There's uh, no accounting anyway, for taste. Excuse me? Nothing, Paul. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to tell you that uh, my wife booked a trip on a train. We had to fly to Chicago. Then we went on a train to the Grand Canyon. This was a number of years ago. And uh, I didn't want to go. But anyway, when we got there. Why didn't you want to go? I don't know, because I don't have no idea why. But anyway, it was miserable on the train trip. It was an overnight train, all this crap. And, you know, you were crammed into this little space. <clears throat> so then when we got there, there was a thunderstorm like you never even heard, because the, the echo from the Grand Canyon was crazy. I was scared to go outside and smoke a cigarette. I mean, it was danger out there, danger. So anyway, we took the tour, two days, two overnights, and then next thing you know, we bought this book, Death in the Grand Canyon, which you got to read. I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. 
So anyway, we bought this book. It's about maybe an inch and a half thick <clears throat> and all these stories. And uh, there's in that book, there's stories of people finding hieroglyphics in the Grand Canyon, number one. Number two, there's stories of people living underground in the Grand Canyon area. Wow. Now, I, it just blew my mind, man. I no, mean, that's I, pretty I, cool. I, you remember the name of the book or the author? Death in the Grand Canyon. Death in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So I will anyway, check that out, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, I was scared to death. I couldn't wait to get out of that place. There was there was danger there. I don't know what it was. Maybe lizard people. I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe I'm just crazy. I don't well, know. I mean, look, uh, the two crazy. the two aren't mutually exclusive. It's possible that there were death and lizard people there, and you could also be crazy. It could be both. But this yeah, looks but interesting. Over the edge, I mean, death the in the Grand Canyon. Death in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this now. This looks interesting. Actually, I'm going to reach out to the authors and see if they, uh, they're up for coming on the show. That's a great yeah, idea. blew my mind, man. Yeah, I no, no, I'm, I'm looking at the description. Out of there that is wild. it was just danger, danger. Yeah. Over the edge, death in the Grand Canyon. That's wild. Thank you. I'll check it out. I uh, visited the Grand Canyon with my mom a long time ago, and um, I didn't see any anything strange. I just saw... Rocks and water in the Colorado River. That was it. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Ugo in Pennsylvania. Hello, Ugo. Yes, Frank. Hi. Uh, I'm, uh, I was checking out to see if I make a run to um, the Columbus Parade. So I said, let me check out how the parking is, alternate side and everything. Of course, it's suspended. And I was shocked to see it says alternate site parking is suspended for Italian Heritage Day, uh. Indigenous Peoples Day, uh. and Sukkot. No mention of Columbus. Uh. So they mention <laughs> every. That's terrible. So um, is that on the New York City website? Yes, uh, the 311 app. Uh, I hate that. It's just awful. That is awful. What a disaster. And I was going to drive on Route 80 which is the Christopher Columbus Memorial uh, Highway. Well, I so hope... I think it's Christopher I, Columbus Highway. Yeah, I hope you're going to spray paint uh, Christopher Columbus and replace it with uh, Indigenous Peoples Highway. <laughs> and uh, just to um, for a couple of more uh, Columbus contributions, uh, they brought the netting to uh, catch fish. It's the maglie, which is the special stitching that only traps the bigger fish and lets the little fish go through untouched. So the revolution in fishing, oh, which is absolutely, two years old in, in, in from Italy, ancient Rome. Uh, they brought that to the new world. How to stitch and sew silk, uh, fibers, canvases. And even something invented in Genoa, which Columbus was a uh, citizen of the Republic of Genoa. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Republic of Genoa. Known for their uh, salami. They invented a fabric, Mm -hmm. uh, a blue fabric. It was a blue color that they cross-stitched, like plywood is done. And it got the name of Blue de Genova. And the French called it Blue Jean, 
which is blue jeans. And today, Levi's and Wrangler <laughs> have uh, overtaken the Italian blue jean, which is from Columbus times, hmm. because the sailors used that fabric because it's so durable. It would last them a whole trip, a year's worth of trip, wearing blue jeans. Wow. I did not know that, Ugo. You taught me yeah, something. Tremendous. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Michael's in Manhattan. Hello, Michael. Yes, uh, I was studying talking about Michael, you're breaking up. I, I can't hear you. 800-848-9222. Ed is on Staten Island. Hello, Ed. Hey, uh, does the name Victoria Newland ring a bell? Uh, un- unfortunately, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, she was uh, the point person for a program called The Revolution of Dignity which was uh, to give uh, Ukraine a billion-dollar loan back in 2014. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that uh, I think you were a little premature in denouncing Zelensky because he's being manipulated by the United States. Well, I, that's true. Uh, that I, I won't disagree with you uh, on that front, right? Uh, but uh, I think it's um, – uh, but Zelensky, for better or worse, has become the, the, the symbol of all this stuff, and uh, if he's going to go out there and make such a reckless comment, I'm going to, irrespective of who's pulling the strings, whether it's Victoria Newland or someone else, I have to call Zelensky out as well. But uh, it's a fine point you make, Ed. Thank you. All right, we're going to try again to go to Michael in Manhattan. Hello, Michael. Okay, a couple of quick thoughts. That's Number better. one, grapes that Columbus brought back to Europe and destroyed the crops there, that is the derivation of the word Grapes of wrath. Number two, in reference, in reference to uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, I have strong reservations against that. Oh, boo! I'll tell you. Um, you know what? If Michael was performing stand up, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even go see him if he was paying me. I mean, that's that's rough. That is rough. All right. 800-848-9222. You can also uh, find me on Twitter, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Be sure to join our Facebook group where we um, not only post all the bumper music that we play at the end of the show, but right now there's uh, there's a debate going on there about all sorts of things that we uh, that we do on the show. By the way, the one thing I would ask, if you participate in the Facebook group, Please try and keep the remarks relevant to the show. There's people posting in there about things that have nothing to do with the show. Now, I try to cast a pretty wide net because we talk about everything on this show, but there's people posting about stuff that we've never even covered. But if you want to be part of that conversation, see, the more people that will go on there and post topical things, the better off we're all going to be. So just search us on Facebook, Morano Radio. Fans and haters. That's M O R A N O radio. Fans and haters. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we are going to do commendations. A whole lot more to get to as well, including where are Columbus's remains? We'll find out. Keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano.
Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It's not just any day. It's Monday. It also happens to be Columbus Day, although you'd never know it in terms of finding out why alternate side of the street parking is suspended today. Because, uh, sure enough, that caller was correct. Um, And uh, I just got an email here from someone else sending an image of what the 311, 311 app shows. And, yes, it says alternate side parking is suspended for Italian Heritage Day, Indigenous Peoples Day, and Sukkot. Public schools are closed for Italian Heritage Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, recycling is suspended for Italian Heritage Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. You know, that reminds me, why did I, I forgot that recycling is going to be suspended tomorrow. Before I left, I raced to get all my recycling done out into the street to make sure that it was out before I left. I didn't have to do that. That's a few minutes that I could have spent sleeping or doing anything else. But um, I find that very disappointing. Well, not me. I'm celebrating good old-fashioned Columbus Day. And I like Columbus Day. I think for the reason stated, we should be celebrating Columbus irrespective of whether you're Italian or not. Um, I think uh, Columbus deserves some recognition, and we should be. And it doesn't mean we we can't celebrate him warts and all, but uh, I am a Columbus Day celebrant. I'm going to be at the parade today here in New York. Well, if there's time, I'll talk to you more about that a little later. Uh, meantime, we're going to take your calls after commendations, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. It is indeed time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. I must begin by giving a commendation to Rams linebacker Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is a linebacker and guy not to be trifled with. And uh, a protester ran onto the field during the 49ers Monday night home game a week ago against the Rams. And Bobby Wagner tackled him. The police were having a tough time catching him, so this linebacker tackles him. And now this crybaby protester has filed a police report. I mean, give me a break. You violate the rules and run out onto the football field when you're not supposed to. And this is what happens on a football field, at least a professional football league uh, field, unless, of course, we're talking about the Pro Bowl. You're going to get tackled. Had you run out onto the Pro Bowl field, you would have gotten your flag taken away. But um, these protesters make me laugh. You go out and basically are trespassing, and somebody tackles you, and you're calling the police? Please. I say good for you, Bobby Wagner. I saw this happen uh, 21 years ago, the very first Brooklyn Cyclones home game. I was working for the Brooklyn Cyclones in those days, and the there was a an idiot. He wasn't a protester. He was just a drunk idiot who starts running the bases, starts running the bases, Runs out onto the field, starts at first base, then second base, then third base. He's circling the diamond. And the police are waiting for him behind home plate because he is, you know, going to be arrested. 
Well, Mike Jacobs, the catcher, who then went on to be a major leaguer, he uh, played for the Marlins, among other teams. Mike Jacobs doesn't wait for him to come to home plate. He's behind the plate as a catcher. Mike Jacobs runs halfway up to the third base line, halfway up the third base line, and spears him and tackles the guy, and then the police jumped on him and arrested him. I have no I have no respect for anybody that's going to delay any of these sporting events because you want to run on the field either for attention or because you're a drunken idiot or because you're protesting. That's not the forum for it. A lot of people paying money, a lot of money, to enjoy that game. A lot of people watching it on television. They don't need you disrupting it. There's a lot of forums to protest. There's a lot of forums to be a drunken idiot. And I don't think sporting events are the forum for either. I want to also denounce all of this year's Nobel Prize winners. There's a lot of very impressive winners here. In... um, the category of physiology or medicine, Dr. Svanti Pabo, a Swedish geneticist awarded for his discoveries concerning the genomes of extinct homonyms and human evolution. He won for his work in retrieving genetic information, genetic material, from 40,000-year-old bones and producing a complete Neanderthal genome and initiating the field of ancient DNA studies. It's because of his work that we know Neanderthals mated with Homo sapiens. Isn't that interesting? So I'm all for it. In physics, the prize for physics shared by three men for their work in quantum technology. Chemistry, another uh, shared award for the development of click chemistry and bioorthogonal chemistry. I hope that's pronounced correctly. Good thing these... Three chemists did not go to NYU, right? Literature. The permanent secretary of the Swedish Academy lauded the courage and clinical acuity with which Mats Malm uncovers the roots, estrangements, and collective restraints of personal memory. So that's interesting. Um, No, excuse me. Mats Malm is the permanent secretary of the Swedish Academy, and they honored... um, Ms. Erno, the 17th female writer to have won the Literature Prize since it was formed. She's 82 years old, winning her first Nobel Prize. Um, so a lot of very worthy recipients. And, you know, we spend a lot of time highlighting sports stars. We spend a lot of time um, highlighting movie stars, athletes. So it seems appropriate that... Uh, we should at least honor some Nobel Prize winners as well. Well, I also have to honor a sports star, Jeff McNeil, becoming the first Met in history to lead the major leagues in hitting. He's only the second Met in history um, to honor, to, to win a batting title. You know who the first was? You know who the first? Who was it? You think it was Cleon Jones, don't you? No, no, no. My wife's uncle, Mike, who we had dinner with on Saturday, he thought the same thing. Nope. The first Met to win the batting title was Jose Reyes. Jeff McNeil, though, not only the second Met ever to win the batting title, the first Met to lead all of Major League Baseball in hitting. Very impressive accomplishment. 
as disappointing as it was to see the Mets season end the way it did. I have to give a commendation as well to Johnny Louder. What's that? Johnny Louder. Louder. Johnny Louder. Johnny. As uh, Hurricane Ian battered Florida last week, leaving neighborhoods in Naples looking like they had been swallowed by a river, Johnny Louder dove into the murky, debris-filled waters that others were trying to escape. The 49-year-old was on a mission to save his 84-year-old mother who uses a wheelchair. She lives a few blocks away and made a panicked call on Wednesday as the water was rushing into her house and it reached her chest. Can you imagine how scary that is for both of them? For both The woman who's in a wheelchair, the water is rushing into her house, reaching her chest, and for her son who gets the panicked phone call? If this guy would have waited, his mother would be dead. So um, this is incredible. He dove right in and rescued her, and uh, he was prepared to do anything to save his mother, and he did. And he did. The mother, uh, her legs were amputated. And this guy dove in, literally, like a champion rescue diver and saved his mother. I think that's great. Uh, so uh, I, I'm always, I'm always uh, I'd love to be able to save my mother from something, but I'm not the best diver. But hopefully my mother stays out of hurricane-prone area. I must give a commendation as well to the state of Iowa. The state of Iowa has the best roads in the entire country. I mean, how cool is that? 91, if you live in Iowa, congratulations, 91% of your roads are in great condition. And that's a 9% improvement from 2015. So that's wonderful. I almost, I've never been to Iowa. I would love to visit Iowa now just for to see the roads. Uh, by the way, if you're curious about the state with the worst roads, it is West Virginia. West Virginia. That doesn't surprise me. Um, hey, I want to give a commendation to early dinner. That's right. New research suggesting that there may be an ideal window of time to eat during the day. Eating relatively early may be beneficial for weight loss, and keeping meals within a 10-hour period could improve blood sugar and cholesterol levels. So this first study found that eating on a later schedule made people hungrier over a 24-hour period when they consumed the same meals earlier in the day. Late eating also led the study participants to burn calories at a slower rate, and their fat tissue seemed to store more calories on a later eating schedule than an early one. Overall, the study suggests that eating later can increase a person's obesity risk. You know, I'll say I'm not surprised by this. My Aunt Camille... She has been eating early. And when I say early, I'm talking 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the afternoon. She's been eating an early dinner, basically a Sunday dinner, every day, as long as I've known her, for literally decades. And you know what? She looks the same now. I don't know that she'll want me saying her age. But she looks the same now as she did 30 years ago. She looks great. I don't think she's put on any weight. Now, not that 
you know, anecdotal evidence counts for much, but it is interesting to see that borne out in this. Now, the second study is even more interesting to me because of all the attention that's been paid to intermittent fasting over the years. The second study done among a group of firefighters found that consuming meals within a 10-hour window shrunk bad cholesterol particles, suggesting a potential reduction in risk factors for heart disease. That eating window also improved blood pressure and blood sugar levels among firefighters with underlying health conditions. So I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to limit all my eating to 10 hours. Now, if I figure if I wake up around 3, I, you know, do my, all my eating between 3 p.m. and 11, uh, and, uh, what, yeah, and, and midnight. That's easily done. Easily done. That's nine hours, right? Um, I have to give a commendation to Tamara Thompson. This is a really neat discovery. Love this. Tamara Thompson um, is a maritime archaeologist and a member of the Wisconsin Historical Society. She discovered a canoe at the bottom of Lake Mendota near Madison that was 1,200 years old. That discovery was made in November of 2021. So why are we talking about her now? Well, she has managed to discover 12 months later a second ancient Native American canoe in the same lake. Can you imagine this? She just discovered a 3,000-year-old canoe beneath this Wisconsin lake Carved from a single piece of oak within 12 months of discovering a 1,200-year-old canoe. I mean, that's incredible. I don't think you could be luckier if you tried. If you want to find some old canoes, take a trip over to Wisconsin. Um, All right. Let me also commend... Taco Bell. I don't eat fast food, and I don't eat um, from franchises. But I know a lot of people do, uh, my wife included. She loves Taco Bell. She loves uh, Chick-fil-A. She loves uh, Chipotle. But I know a lot of people like fast food. So I was very interested in this study, which monitored what fast food franchises have the speediest drive through And sure enough, it is Taco Bell. They led the pack in speed of service with an average time of 221 seconds. That's insane. 221 seconds? My goodness. It's almost been 221 seconds since I began telling you this story. Just think, if you ordered a chalupa or something, is that what they said there? Chalupa? You'd have it already. I am not surprised to hear. I mean, I'm shocked at the 221 seconds. That's wild. But I, I've, I was once at a Taco Bell drive-through. It was about 20 years ago, with my friend Craig Simonetti, and he ordered a taco, and it was there instantly. It was really. I mean, I guess that doesn't say. It probably means they have a lot of this stuff ready-made. Probably doesn't say a lot for making things from scratch. But if you're interested in a quick taco. I'll tell you, that's impressive. Makes me want to go there just to try this drive-thru. Penultimately, 
I want to thank um, and commend my friend Matthew Mary. Matthew Mary is a great attorney, criminal defense attorney. He's been a, a guest on this show, and uh, he's also been a guest on my podcast. He had me on his podcast this week, A View from Mulberry Street, and this is a podcast that has already gotten a lot of attention, and um, it's sort of a better version of what I'm doing on the Racket Report, right? It's all about gangster stuff. And he has me on there. The episode is dropping tomorrow. So if you want to find it, you can find it on YouTube. Just search The View from Mulberry Street. Hit the subscribe, and my episode will be up there tomorrow. Or you can um, search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeart, and just search A View from Mulberry Street. And my episode's going to drop tomorrow, if you want to hear it. We talk a lot about the criminal justice system and uh, organized crime issues in general. So a commendation to my friend Matthew Mary. Please, if you're interested in me or any of those issues, check out that podcast, A View from Mulberry Street. And finally, I want to give a commendation to Jose Luis, Jose Luis Ortiz, a waiter from Nuevo Laredo, a restaurant there called Pascados e Mariscos Betos. I'm imagining it's an Italian restaurant. But um, this fellow um, did a good deed when he was paid more than the actual bill. So according to the restaurant, Jose Luis Ortiz was originally paid by a group of customers 100 pesos more than the original order. That's the equivalent of approximately $5. However, when he found out, he quickly went out of the establishment to look for the customers and give them their money back. The customers were so grateful for the deed that they went back and congratulated the owners of the restaurant for their employee. So the the restaurant is congratulating him as well. They said, we're proud that you're part of our great team and for the great action carried out. And I think uh, somebody gave him a a television or something uh, to recognize his, um, I don't call it, his honesty. Because I, I think a lot of restaurant employees wouldn't necessarily do that. Especially in, Me- in Nueva Laredo. All right, uh, that is it for commendations. If you have comments on anybody that I have commended, you're welcome to give me a call, 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 848 9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. greatest songs ever recorded and it was a real treat 
to be able to talk with the singer of this song, Joe Dolce, and dig into his process a little bit. You know, I think one of the, um, I think the honoree, I don't know if he's the Grand Marshal. Yeah, he's the Grand Marshal. The Grand Marshal at this year's Columbus Day Parade, who I'm hoping to see, and you know, I should have, um, and shame on me, it's like the things that you don't think of because you're exhausted. Um, Tom Golisano is going to be the Grand Marshal at this year's Columbus Day Parade. And uh, I'm a big admirer of Tom Golisano. I tried to get him on the show today. And who knows? Maybe we'll get him uh, when we do the special parade coverage. But I'd love to... Uh, I, what I, I meant to... I have this great photo of Tom Golisano and me from 20 years ago. I was hoping to bring it with me and um, and have him sign it, but I forgot. Maybe I can uh, get another copy printed between now and the time the parade starts and get him to sign it if I run into it. But then you know what's going to happen, right? I'm going to... One of two things will happen, because this is me. Either I will go out of my way to get this photo printed and then not see him, or I won't get the photo printed, and I will see him. One of those two things will happen. It's it's bound to happen. You've heard of Murphy's Law, Morano's Law. You know, I think Murphy's Law states whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Morano's Law states whatever is the most inconvenient set of circumstances possible while producing the maximum humor effect for radio will occur. That's Morano's Law. Now, um, I'm looking forward to being at that parade today. Hey, speaking of Columbus, where's Columbus buried? Not as easy a question to answer as you might think. A year ago, I spoke with Martin Fone author of 50 Curious Questions, and he investigated why nobody really knows for sure where Columbus is buried, where his body is, where his remains are. Think about that. He's one of the most famous human beings ever to walk the planet. But the final resting place of Columbus remains shrouded in mystery. They've done DNA testing. They've done a lot of things. So there's something to be said for a monopoly. And if the beautiful Spanish city of Seville is anything to go by, in 1503, it was awarded the exclusive right to trade with the new world that Columbus had stumbled upon for the first time. Um, All ships bound for the Americas had to set off from that city, Seville. And all goods and treasures brought back had to be unloaded there. In Seville, by 1595, long after Columbus had died, the annual value of the precious metals reaching Seville rose to about 35 million pesos in spite of the best efforts of some British pirates. So um, a lot of people believe this is where Columbus is buried. I spoke about this with... Martin Fone a year ago, and he explains how the descriptions of of where Columbus's remains are, it's not exactly an open and shut case. Listen to this. I was fortunate enough to visit um, the magnificent uh, cathedral at Seville um, in Spain and uh, in the south trans 
concept. There's a, a magnificent memorial uh, to Columbus, and uh, that is where um, his mortal remains are said to be. And, in Seville, uh, Spain. In Seville, Spain, in the in the cathedral in Seville, and. Um, when I got home, I, I was thinking about it, and, and a little bell rang in my mind that perhaps it wasn't quite uh, as clear-cut as uh, the Spanish tour guide uh, led me to believe. And so I, I did a little uh, bit of digging into um, what happened to uh, the body of Christopher Columbus and discovered, um, as I was saying, that... Um, his original wish was to be uh, buried in the Americas. Um, so when he died in uh, May 1506 in Valladolid, which is a, a city in Spain, he was buried there initially. Um, and then his body was removed to an island called La Cartuja, which is uh, just off the coast of Seville, um, as a temporary transition point before a magnificent cathedral was built in what was Spanish Hispaniola, what we now know as the uh, Dominican Republic. So when that was uh, built in 1537, um, his bones were shipped over to uh, rest in peace there. Now, so which is it? People believe he's buried in Seville. Others say maybe it's the Dominican Republic. Well, there's been so much controversy over this question that they actually did a DNA test. So we talked about the DNA test that was performed on Columbus's supposed remains. And in 2006, um, the Spanish uh, carried out a DNA test on the remains um, in Seville, and they seemed to match with um, Columbus's brother Diego. Um, but the Dominican Republic authorities have so far refused to carry out uh, a similar test on the, on the bo- <clears throat> on the bones that they've got. Um, so. Um, intuitively, it seems as though his uh, his remains are actually in Seville, but until um, scientific analysis of the bones in uh, the Dominican Republic are carried out, then the question will still remain in dispute. Now, the question begs, so it does seem, based on this DNA test, as if Columbus is buried in Seville, which on the one hand is a shame because his dream was to be buried in the Americas. But you got to ask the question, who's in that grave in the Dominican Republic? The Dominican authorities say it's Columbus. If it's not Columbus, who is it? Well, that's that's the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. And. um you would you would think, um, or you would hope that the right bones would be put in the right, in the right tomb, um, but um, and we and we know from recent events how um, frantic uh, withdrawals are from uh, from 
countries, so it is quite conceivable that in, in their haste the, the Spanish did pick up the wrong box or perhaps even uh, forget about it. Hmm. Makes you think, right? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Now, I, uh, you know what I did for the first time yesterday? I had been eager to do this for a while. I played pickleball for the first time yesterday. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's like a giant, exactly what I pictured. It's like a giant ping pong game. So I bought a pickleball paddle maybe about two months ago and some pickleball balls. But I've been looking for somebody to play with and somewhere to play. So the minority leader of the New York City Council, Joe Borelli, calls me up and says, well, instead of playing ping pong today, why don't we go try pickleball? We'll move around a little bit because I'm, I'm in desperate need of some exercise. So even if it's just 37 minutes of me uh, lightly jogging back and forth on the pickleball court, I felt better about uh, overeating and overdrinking if I'm at least moving a little bit. And um, lo and behold, the trend that uh, Councilman Borelli, Minority Leader Borelli and I, have established on the ping pong table has now continued to the world of pickleball. Joe generally beats me at ping pong. I'd say he wins four out of every five games. And um, I was off to a very strong start in pickleball. Our first game, I was winning six to one. Six to one. He came back and beat me. I think it was 11 to nine. <laughs> You've got to win by two. So, uh, and then he said, after that, that mid mark, he said, all right, now I'm learning how the paddle sort of bounces, where to hit it, and how the ball bounces off the panel and how to take the bounces and everything. And sure enough, he didn't just come back and win that first game. We played two more games after that. He beat me in all three games. <laughs> all three games. That was a major bummer. But it was fun to play. I'm looking forward to uh, playing again. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Mario is in Jersey City. Hello, Mario. Frank, you're the best. Thank uh, you. As as being uh, born in Portugal and being Portuguese, you guys have not one caller mentioned Portugal. Christopher Columbus, as a young man, spent a lot of time in Portugal, went to school in the National Nautica School in Lisbon. This is where he learned how to navigate. Went to Spain to get the boats because the, uh, the ships, because the Portuguese would not give him the money. They didn't have no confidence on him. And also... The Portugal was an empire at sea with Spain, but us, most of the navigators went to Portugal to learn how to navigate. Vasco da Gama discovered India for the spices. We had Pedro Alves Cabral discover uh, Brazil in the year 1500. You had Bartolomeu Diaz. We had many navigators. So the resting place for Christopher Columbus, I was told as a kid in the school, is a Sorry's Island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean because what? he felt uh, Columbus was not, he, he had, I guess, disputes with the king or Isabella or the queen. And he, why would he return to Spain? They wanted to arrest him. So the Azores Island is in the middle of the Atlantic. I guess if the Spanish were coming to get him, he would see them and he was right in the middle. And, um, it was like uh, not him, but a poet from Japan say, "If there is a heaven on earth, it's here." Well, you know, it's funny and that nobody, you mentioned. Nobody, ahead. nobody has mentioned 
nobody has mentioned all the callers that nobody mentioned Portugal, that he went to school in Portugal. That's how he learned how to navigate. Well, yeah, I actually had this on my – thank you, Mario. I actually had this on my list for next hour. There is a theory, and it's been around for over 100 years, but it's recently in the last four or five years picked up some steam, and I invited someone on uh, the radio today to uh, talk about it, but we, we weren't able to facilitate it. There is a theory that claims that Columbus was not Italian but Portuguese. And first of all, again, there was no country of Italy, but there was a country of Portugal. And that's one of the things that, to me, I would still be celebrating Columbus Day just as much if Columbus was Portuguese. So there's a theory that hypothesizes that Columbus was a Portuguese agent who hatched up an elaborate diversion to keep the Spanish from the lucrative trade routes. Um, Other people also say that maybe Columbus was a Portuguese nobleman um, that uh, adopted the, the name that he is now known by when he moved to Spain. And there's a lot of theories about about the fact that he might have actually been Portuguese. What we do know is that uh, Portuguese, that Portugal rather, passed on funding his exposition. He went to Portugal first because of his history there and because of Portugal's history supporting different explorations and expeditions. And um, they didn't want to do it, apparently. That's the way the story goes. But um, a lot of people believe he is Portuguese. Credible people, too. Scholars and others. While in Portugal, he... um, So, Genoa had very close trading ties with other regions. And Columbus likely learned a whole bunch of languages before he was an adult. And according to some accounts, including those by his son, Columbus left Genoa as a teenager serving in the Portuguese merchant marines and gaining all sorts of, as Mario said, seafaring experience on these explorations. So while in Portugal, he married a woman from a noble but somewhat poor family and began seeking support from the Portuguese. And when he refused, he moved to Spain, where he spent years lobbying, um, you know, the Spanish monarchy. But who knows? Who knows? Columbus's strong ties there have led many to believe he was born there, not in Genoa. So some historians have argued that his marriage into a noble Portuguese family would have been unlikely had he been an unknown. In 2012, Ferdinando Branco, an engineering professor at the University of Lisbon, published a book that argued that Columbus was actually Portuguese-born and his real name was Pedro... Ataidi, or Ataidi. Ataidi, the illegitimate child of a Portuguese lord, was assumed to have died in a naval battle in 1476. But Branco and a number of Portuguese historians believe that he actually survived, and to avoid persecution for his family's possible treasonous opposition, changed his name to Cologne, C-U-L-O-N, after a French sailor he served with and he embarked on a new life with a new identity. Wouldn't that be something if one of the most famous men in history wasn't even the man that he claimed to be? I mean, that's like, that's Twilight Zone meets Outer Limits times 10. 
in early 2018, researchers began to put this theory to the test. So using the previously authenticated DNA of Columbus's son, Ferdinando, they, um, they hoped to find a genetic match with DNA extracted from the remains of Ataid's cousin, Antonio, who's a Portuguese count and diplomat. Uh, I don't believe they have any definitive answer on that, though, but uh, I'd have to do some more research. That's why I was hoping to have one of these experts on. Uh, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let's see here. Rosemary's been holding a while. Hello, Rosemary. Hi there. Hi. Finally. (laughs) Um, I just want to mention a couple of things. Um, I I did know about uh, Columbus's nautical experience in Portugal. Excuse me. I have a cold. But, um, you know, many, many, many people have over the years have tried to claim Columbus as his, right. as their own. I mean, I can even remember when they said he was Jewish. I mean, oh, yeah, there's still a lot of people that believe that. Yeah, I know that. I know that. So, you know, I, I listen to this with, uh, you know, I, I don't believe half of this stuff. Now, as far as, as him, uh, as far as the, the Indians, uh, the natives, where, where he landed, um, you know, not all of these Indians were like the Indians we, we know at the, at the Thanksgiving Day uh, celebration that we celebrate with the Indians, calm and lovely people. No, no, no. A lot of them were savages. And in order to subdue these people, after all, he was exploring. You know, you had to meet force with force. Think about that. Think about a small ship in the midst of hundreds and hundreds of people that you don't know what they're like. And believe me, they're going to let you know. Okay, that's one thing that I want you to know. I want you to know Admiral Byrd, they always say Admiral Byrd, how true this is, I don't know, that when he was on his expedition in the Antarctic, that he, uh, that there were places under under the sea where there were flying saucers mm. coming out, okay? Mm. I, I don't know if you know about that. Yes. No, you're exactly right. Okay. Then also, um, I don't know if you, you know Long John Neville. Do you know Long John? I, I, I know who he is. I did not know okay. him personally. You're too young to know, have, have heard of him. But uh, that would mean I've been a, I was a listener of his many, many years ago. And he used to have a lot of people like you have, you know, different various mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of people from... Uh, uh, a different planets, right? Too, sure, okay? sure. <laughs> if you want to believe it, but that's what he had, and they were very interesting shows. But he always said that they were because I mentioned this because the man that called you about um, the Grand Canyon, he said there were people underground. Well, Long John said this many, many years ago. He always said this. He said, if you press the B button twice, don't do that in Midtown because that's there are people underground. And about ten years ago, I was in an elevator. Because uh, I, you know, I, where I worked, I worked in, in the 50s. Uh, I, there were young fellas in the elevator, too. They must have been maybe in the early 20s, okay? And I was so surprised because I mentioned it when they were pressing the button as a joke. And, of course, they turned around and they said, yeah, we know all about that. So this is a, this is a long-time thing that started many years ago when I used to listen to Long John. Never press the B button twice in Midtown. Well, that's <laughs> anyway. good to know. I, I hadn't heard that. That's no, uh, good really? advice. Okay, see, that, that's an old – I don't know. A lot of people apparently know this. Well, no, I, I, that's a good, an important yeah. thing to keep in mind. Rosemary, <laughs> feel better that. with your cold <laughs> and everything. Great. In that area. Yeah, great call. Thank you very much. Good Thank luck with you. the cold. 
800-848-9222. I'd never heard that. Don't press the B button twice. Wow. That's wild. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Yeah, Frank, I'm one of the uh, people that believe Columbus uh, had uh, some Jewish blood in him. Yeah, no, there, there, are a lot, there are a lot of people believe that Columbus was Croatian. Some people believe he was Spanish. Again, the consensus still is that he was uh, from Genoa. But, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of folks that uh, – yeah. there is some evidence to support the Jewish hypothesis, absolutely. Yep, I was going to say, Frank uh, – wouldn't it be more appropriate, instead of playing pickleball with Torelli, you play bocce? Well, you know, again, what were you trying to stereotype us because that's uh, that's an oh, Italian no, game? For Columbus Day, you know. Well, you know, uh, bocce's great, and I do play bocce, but you don't get really much exercise playing bocce. You're, you're basically just standing there. The only exercise you get is, is moving your arm back about four inches, and then walking to the other side of the bocce court. It's not exactly a, a high-impact game. Right. Well, I also want to tell you there's one way to beat Borelli at ping pong every single time. The trick is, first, the first thing is you have to be the one to serve. Now, if you're the one to serve, use a meatball instead of a ping pong <laughs> ball. They'll never return it. You'll win every time, Frankie. That's very funny. Thank you, Neil. 800-848-9222. Jay is in the Poconos. Hello, Jay. Hey, good morning, Frank. Great show. Um, I just thought it, it, it always uh, strikes me as how much courage it took to get on a boat for 10 weeks uh, with no, you know, no radio, no modern conveniences, and uh, not knowing where you're going. Um, it's <laughs> That in itself is a feat. Well, uh, and you're, you're, you're right, and it's uh, even more so when you look at some of the people that were part of that crew. Uh, this was a, a rough crew, including a lot of people that were released from prison to be part of the expedition, you know, and uh, so, there was, uh, th- th- this was a rough group of guys. So, so I can only relate. Um, one time we went on a cruise to the Bahamas, and on the way back, we got stuck in a hurricane. <laughs> And forty foot waves for twenty four hours, and it was it was uh, something else. But um, I just wanted to add one thing uh, about Bernie. I I I loved the, the show Bernie and Sid. Uh, they they had a great chemistry together, and Bernie was just a, such a likable guy. I never really listened to Imus because uh, the guy always sounded like he had marbles in his mouth. Right. But uh, I had to think that. Bernie and the other guys, Lou, were the 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 reason he had success, and we're gonna miss him. And he just seemed like a real likable guy. All you guys that are great radio hosts, it, to the audience, you feel like family. Like you could sit down and have a beer or something, um, and you all share that same quality. And we're gonna miss him. And please give Sid a hug from all of us. I sure will, Jay. Well said. Uh, Bernie was a great guy, and everything you said, I think, in terms of their contribution to the IMUS program was uh, right on the money. Thank you, Jay. Hey, we'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Monday, Monday, Monday by Tegan and Sarah. You know, I'm just thinking about this Tom Golisano situation again. Um, you know, I, I've I've been very clear that um, I have a problem and that I cannot stop buying books. And people also send me books. And, and again, I, pretty soon I'm going to be buried in just an avalanche of books in the not-too-distant future. And even though I've tried to curtail, I just can't stop myself. So... I, uh, you know, I was in Atlantic City on Friday for this uh, charity event, and my wife um, sends me a message that says something to the effect of, um, what'd she say? She says, uh, let's see, I got a lot of photos. Well, what was it? Um, she said, um, she sends me a, a emoticon of her rolling her eyes. And she says, me opening the three separate packages you got and seeing they're all books. And then it's an emoticon of her crying. And I said, oh, what books? Jesus, Frank. And she sends me uh, a photo of the three books that arrived. One is, and really, this, this sums me up to a T. One is a book called Homicide is My Business by former chief assistant district attorney uh, in Brooklyn, Michael Vecchione. It's a mob story about a gentleman by the name of Luigi the Zip. I'm going to be talking to him on a Vecchione, not Luigi the Zip, on a future edition of the Racket Report. Then the new William Shatner book, Boldly Go, uh, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. And again, we're going to try and get Shatner on this show to promote that book, but I uh, haven't had much, much luck of late. And then the other one was The Italian Kid Did It, How I Turned $3,000 into $44 billion and achieved the American dream by Tom Golisano. So I got the new Tom Golisano book. It just arrived Friday. Now, I'm sticking around today until about 3 o'clock for, to anchor parade coverage. So I didn't even bring this book. I forgot to bring the Golisano book. I forgot to bring my photo. So I'm in the same position now. Do I go to the bookstore and try and buy another one of these Golisano books, even though I just got one on Friday, and get him to sign it, because I am a... When's the next time I'm going to see Tom Golisano? It's been years since I've seen him. So this is what I'm wrestling with. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. After the show, I'm going to take a nap, and I'm going to see what time I emerge from this nap. And if I emerge early enough, I'm going to find a way to print this Golisano photo... And if I pass a bookstore and it happens to have Golisano's book, maybe I'll buy it. And if I have to return the other one, so be it. Because it would be a shame, right? I mean, to, for me to see Golisano, who I've, I've admired for 30 years, whose campaigns for governor I worked on, who I'm talking about all the time, who I tried to draft for president, for me to see him and then not get either the book or the photo signed. I think you'd get a big kick out of seeing us from 20 years ago, too. If you're just tuning in, uh, Tom Golisano was the grand marshal of this year's Columbus Day Parade. So, uh, all right, uh, that's my plan. I'm going to take a nap, wake up, get the photo, maybe the book. Melvin is in Indianapolis. Hello, Melvin. Frank. Melvin. Yes, that's me. Uh... My uh, birthday is October the 12th, and that used to be Columbus Day. Mm. It's been on that day, October the 12th, for 73 years. Your birthday or Columbus Day? They changed it so you can have a three-day weekend. 
Well, that makes sense. I celebrate my birthday the Monday after the weekend. I, I used to never go to school on my birthday. It was a holiday. The the other thing I wanted to tell you... But, Melvin, there's no reason that, you can't celebrate your birthday the same day Columbus's is, the Monday after the weekend. Well, it was always on Columbus Day. Right, but, but I'm saying, why not all, keep that, it at Columbus Day? Why not just shift your birthday along with the holiday? That would make me two days younger. <laughs> Fair enough. But the, the other thing with Columbus... Uh, he got the money from Queen Isabella because nobody would give him money for the trip. Well, I just said that. So yeah, he, he went to Port- right. Portugal, England, and France and sought funding right. from each of those countries. They all turned him down, and he went to Spain. But he probably cut a deal with the Queen uh, Isabella. I think she was only 15 or 16. He cut a deal with her that any treasure w- would bring the wealth back to Spain. Yeah, no, I'm aware of that. And uh, he he had said that uh, he was supposed to get a pretty significant cut of those riches, and then uh, they kind of reneged on that deal. And then there were a, a whole series of lawsuits between Columbus's heirs and the Spanish government, and th- they went about uh, three or four hundred years in all. These Colombian lawsuits were – it was some of the longest litigation in history um, well, looking at whether whether uh, they should have to pay the, uh, the Columbus family the money that, uh, that, they, that they, he said that he was entitled to. You're right. But then again, uh, the um, – what the hell was it? The uh, – Columbus uh, – they said in school that in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He discovered America. Mike could never understand. How could he discover America when America Vespucci, an Italian, got here first? Well, America Vespucci was never here, and he did not get here first. Um, uh, he was ne- he never visited the continent. No. The, there were Europeans that were here before Columbus— uh, namely, uh, Leif Erikson, he had visited uh, Newfoundland. But uh, no, Amerigo Vespucci, by the way, that's, we could do that whole thing another day. Um, there is some debate about whether Amerigo Vespucci is actually the namesake of America. Because how often do you name something after somebody's first name? Pretty rare. I mean, it does happen, but it's rare. So there's some dispute about that as well. Um, hey, remember, your influence counts. Make sure you use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Columbus Day. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Let me correct a couple of mistakes that I have made lately. One mistake was made six minutes ago. One was made three days ago. 
And I'm going to correct both uh, because, I'm, you know, I, I have no qualms about issuing a retraction when I get something wrong. So it does appear, and I did not know this, and shame on me, and this is why I always tell you guys, I am not nearly as smart as people think I am. Um, it does look like Amerigo Vespucci may have made a voyage, they called it an alleged voyage, to South America in 1499. There's a chance that he also may have made a second voyage to the Americas as well. They say it might have been one when he was sailing with, for Portugal and one sailing for Spain. It is unconfirmed, but um, th- th- that there is some evidence that Vespucci did come to the Americas in 1499. So that's number one. Number two, second thing I got wrong. It, well, you know what it is? By the time the fourth hour of the show comes around, either at the beginning of the week or the end of the week, I get a little punch drunk, get a little punchy, because at the end of the week, you know, you're just tired from doing this every day. But at the beginning of the week, you're tired because you're readjusting to normal, to like to a, your nocturnal schedule. So you get a little confused. I can't imagine what tomorrow's going to be like, because instead of going right, going home right away and going to sleep... And then looking after my son and getting back into my groove. Instead, I'm staying here till the afternoon and anchoring parade coverage at a time that I'm usually stone cold asleep. And then going to Long Island for Bernard McGurk's wake. But anyway, uh, so tomorrow I want you to have low expectations (laughs) for what you hear on this show. But we actually have some interesting things uh, tomorrow, including some stuff exploring the truth about what might have happened to John F. Kennedy Jr., so that'll be interesting. But anyway, I had talked about a terrific talk show host on WCBM in Baltimore, where we're being heard right now. We've got a lot of great listeners in the Baltimore area. And I talked about a great talk show host, the co-host of their morning show, Sean Casey, on WCBM. Uh, This is what Sean Casey sounds like. Down number two here on KCN Company. And in this hour, we're going to take a look at uh, city schools. Air conditioning is the big priority, but maybe we want to be focused more on educational content. What do you think? So, and uh, any, but what a voice. Can you imagine if I had a voice like him, I'd be much farther along in the radio business. So anyway, I said, shame on me, that uh, Casey and Elliot go on air at 5 a.m. Lo and behold... I must have been in another time zone. They go on air at 6 a.m. So my apologies, not only to them, but to the thousands of people listening to this show that tuned in at 5 a.m. to hear Casey and Elliot, only to have to come back an hour later. So my apologies to everybody involved. All right. You want to hear something absolutely ridiculous? I almost can't even believe that I'm saying this, but I am. Because this is just so crazy. A group of Ukrainian runners doesn't want to see Russian or Belarusian competitors in the New York City Marathon. They actually have a petition to stop runners from running in the New York City Marathon. And so far it's collected over a thousand signatures. As I've said before, this is the stupidest thing ever. They did this in Boston. They've done this with other sporting events around the country. And again, I'm cognizant of the fact that the news broke this morning 
that there are rocket attacks in Kiev, in Ukraine, for the first time in June, and that the Russian government is behaving in a manner that's very aggressive and not conducive with being a serious member of the world community. That being said, the way to end this this um, war is not to punish rank-and-file Russians. Because what have we heard about Vladimir Putin and the Russian government? What have we heard? Vladimir Putin's a despot. Vladimir Putin is an autocrat. Vladimir Putin's a dictator. Well, what does that mean if those things are true? That means that the individual rank-and-file Russians don't have a lot of say in what goes on in their government. So how can you then punish a Russian athlete that wants to participate in the New York City Marathon because of something their government is doing when the conventional narrative is that individual Russians can't actually, it's not a democracy, so they have no say in influencing what Putin does. How idiotic is that? This is not making a point. This is not standing with Ukraine. This is bigotry. This is total out-and-out bigotry. If you exclude an athlete just because of the country that he was born in, because of the actions of that government, shame on you. And, you know, my my brother and sister are running the New York City Marathon this year. They're running for charity. And I'm going to talk to them about this because, I mean, obviously, you know, they spent a lot, almost a year training for this marathon. They're really amped up for this. But I'd say if they if they're going to uh, prohibit Russians from running in this marathon, and, and I'm not talking about Vladimir Putin's buddy. I'm talking about like an individual Russian runner. That's how they got the name in Russia. They're always Russian because they're running so often. But you're going to stop an individual Russian runner from participating in the marathon because of the actions of Putin? I mean, it's I don't know how everybody doesn't see that that's idiotic. The, um, I mean, look at what the United States has done in places like Iraq. Should individual Americans have been banned from international competitions? Of course not, because athletes do not control what the government does. This is absolutely absurd. CBS 2 uh, did this story, and uh, Anna Spook the founder of the Ukrainian Runners Club, and Stephen Belinsky, they're the ones pushing this. They think it's a good idea. It's painful for Ukrainians to even participate in events while, you know, running shoulder by shoulder with uh, people who actually support that uh, violence. It's nothing new. You need to just join to uh, another organization and just do the right thing and stand with Ukraine. I think it, it you can stand with Ukraine while not prohibiting someone from participating in a marathon just because of the country they're from. To me, it's just, it's really sick that somebody would do this. It's right up there with, you know, in World War I, you know what was going on in this country? We were renaming everything with a German name. They would call uh, sauerkraut liberty lettuce. I'm not joking. They, they actually renamed sauerkraut. Anything that had a German name, a dachshund, anything that had a German name in this country, they would rename. What did that do? It, the Germans didn't care. It didn't punish them. It's just, I mean, the, you think Vladimir Putin's going to care 
if um, we rename, if we prohibit his runners, they're not his runners. They're runners that happen to be from the same country as him, from participating. Uh, they killed German shepherds in America during World War One. Think about that. They renamed Dachshunds Liberty Pups. Then during World War II, we threw Americans of Japanese descent and Americans of Italian descent into internment camps. And we view that very poorly now. We think, hey, we shouldn't have been doing that. Then during the Iraq War, we were so angry at France for not joining in. They renamed foods like uh, Freedom Fries and Freedom Toast. How dumb is that? Because France wouldn't participate in our war, we're renaming French toast and French fries. And yet, now, here we are again, history repeating itself. We're firing Russian musicians, canceling Russian operas, banning Russian blue cats, and changing the salad topping to Ukrainian dressing. And yes, banning Russian athletes from the marathon because of this war in Ukraine. I mean, it's idiotic, I think. You're welcome to disagree. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I'll tell you what I was happy to hear, just speaking of this Russian situation. Admiral Mike Mullen, who I'm sure you're familiar with, he's uh, pretty established on on the world stage. Admiral Mullen is the former chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs. He's as establishment as establishment gets. And right now, just about the whole military establishment is firmly on the side of continuing to aid the Ukrainians forever. We've already invested more than they have in, you know, in any foreign conflict, I think, since Vietnam. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter what we're doing, what the Ukrainians are doing. They carry out an assassination. We we don't even think twice. But... Um, Mike Mullen was on ABC's This Week, and uh, he had some interesting comments that support the idea of negotiating, negotiating with Russia in order to, yes, avoid nuclear war. Wouldn't that be nice? This is Admiral Mullen on uh, ABC's This Week. Well, I, I have to take Putin seriously. I, uh, he's got uh, lots of options uh, with tactical nuclear weapons from very low-yield nuclear weapons. He's a cornered, I believe, a cornered animal, and I think he's more and more dangerous just what's happened in the last 24 hours. Uh, that bridge was struck, which was logistically critical as well as very symbolic. So uh, I think we have to take him seriously and think through uh, what what the requirements would be for us to respond to that. It also speaks to the need, I think, to get to the table. I'm a little concerned about the language, yes. uh, which uh, we're about at the top, if you President will. President Biden's language. President Biden's language, we're about at the top of uh, the language scale, if you will. Uh, so, And I think we need to back off that a little bit and do everything we possibly can to try to get to the table to resolve this thing. Everything we possibly can get to the table and resolve it. Admiral Mullen is exactly right. Are you going to call Admiral Mullen a Russian propagandist? Are you going to call him a uh, a Putin puppet? I don't think so. He is exactly right. We need to do whatever it takes to get to the table to resolve this diplomatically. 
800-848-9222. This is the last thing I'll say on the Ukraine front. If you have comments, you can offer them. Um, you know, you might have heard my conversation with Richard Bay, which those of you in the Facebook group didn't think that that was a hard-hitting interview. I thought I challenged him on a number of points, including his claim that Ukraine is a democracy and uh, even though they're banning opposition political parties and carrying out assassinations in foreign countries. So there was this bl- – and I, so I thought that – because I don't scream at people, you people think that I don't ask difficult questions, I ask everybody the most challenging questions I can think of, including Richard. There was a New York Times story that came out last week that by any definition was a blockbuster. This was the headline. U.S. believes Ukrainians were behind an assassination in Russia. Now, this is particularly important that it was the Times because editorially the Times has been totally in the pocket of the Zelensky government and totally totally on the same page as the people that want to aid the Zelensky government ad infinitum. Essentially, the Times quoted a group of unnamed officials blaming the assassination of Russian nationalist Daria Dujina on Ukraine. Now, the big question here is why? Um, It was a befuddling article. One first wonders why it was even published, because if the U.S. intelligence community is concerned about Ukraine going overboard with actions within Russia, committing assassinations and so on, it could have warned them privately. Instead, it chastised them publicly. Those were the sources in that New York Times article, Americans. And it also suggests that it was only parts of the Ukrainian government, not Zelensky himself, that did this. The officials in this article seem to go to pains to disabuse us of the notion that the Ukrainian involvement was monolithic. Now, that's a little troubling because for all the money we've given them, and now we know we have a lot of special operators on the ground, the thought that they might be operating in sort of a fractured way, out of control, especially out of our control, that's news. But as you read the piece and you wonder about the motives of the people that wrote it and the people that were the sources for it, one of those doubts concerned whether or not the U.S. is trying to get ahead of being accused uh, uh, itself of having some role in the assassination. Now, that can't be ruled out. I think that's uh, something that... um, Walter Kern in the uh, Matt Taibbi podcast this week covered. And I thought it was really interesting that the Times would publish that because that's not what they usually do. They usually cover up for the Zelensky government, not blame them for assassinations and so forth. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, we're going to do the $1,000 minute coming up in about 10 minutes. 800-848-9222. Jeff is in Forest Hills. Hello, Jeff. Good morning. Hey, you know, I think Americans... We've had it up to here. We're kind of sick of hearing about Russia right about now. Every time you hear about Russia, it hits the taxpayers, you know where, and in the pocket, too. Uh, I, I'm just waiting for them to start paying us back. What's the tally on this? Frank, is there a big? I know in the old days, you know, we got a big. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, you know, like not even a firstborn. What, did they have any collateral? I mean, and actually, what are we getting out of this? Or what are the Bidens getting out of this? Well, you know, I think the whole thing's a farce. I, uh, Jeff, I tend to agree with you. But I think the culprit is not necessarily the Bidens. It's the military-industrial complex. It's big weapons manufacturers. It's, pe- it's the Pentagon. 
It's uh, military lobbyists. They're making a mint. Do you know what the lobbyists for the Ukrainian government have been making over the last six, seven months? Millions. Millions. And the longest war in American history ends, the war in Afghanistan, and we could have a discussion about the manner in which that withdrawal was handled. Obviously, it was handled very poorly. But the Afghanistan war was a giant gravy train for the military-industrial complex. And so all of a sudden, that ends, and the military-industrial complex has got to get money from somewhere, and all of a sudden, this Ukrainian war starts. Now, obviously, they did not force Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine, but I think it does explain why our government and why Congress, bipartisan, has been escalating things. Um, last thing with respect to this, and this is not even related to Ukraine. It's related to alternative thinking and people that uh, challenge the thinking of the, you know, the powers that be, the military foreign policy establishment, bipartisan. There was a segment on Piers Morgan's UK show, Uncensored Program. Can we discuss that? You know, I do not understand how Piers Morgan keeps getting all these shows. Whenever I see Piers Morgan do anything, I think, oh, he's okay. It's fine. Not great. Not terrible. Mediocre. And yet he still keeps getting these opportunities in both countries. It must be a a Murdoch thing. Murdoch just might be fond of this guy and he gets all these opportunities. I don't understand. But anyway, there was a segment on Piers Morgan's show a few days ago. And it provided his audience with a rare and unvarnished demonstration of the two sides of the WikiLeaks debate. Now, obviously, if you followed the WikiLeaks debate even tangentially, you're probably aware that Julian Assange, the publisher of WikiLeaks, is currently imprisoned in Britain, and he's facing extradition to the United States for essentially exposing American war crimes. So on the one hand, on this debate, you had Stella Morris, Assange's wife. And uh, on the other hand... You had lifelong neocon John Bolton. Now, for up to John Bolton, we know what he would do. throw Lock uh, Assange up and throw away the key forever. So there was this interesting debate, and you had Julian Assange's wife on Piers Morgan's show right after John Bolton. Listen to this. Well, of course, uh, Ambassador Bolton is kind of the ideological nemesis of Julian. He has... Uh, during his time for the Bush administration and later the Trump administration, um, sought to undermine the international legal system, ensure that the U.S. is not under the International Criminal Court's jurisdiction. And if it was, uh, Mr. Bolton might, uh, in fact, uh, be prosecuted under Mm -hmm. the ICC. Uh, He was one of the chief cheerleaders of the Iraq War, which Julian then exposed through these leaks. So um, he has a conflict of interest here. Uh, I thought she was right on the money there, right on the money. Oh, and uh, the last thing, I I know I said that before, but this is for real the last thing on the foreign policy in Ukraine front. You had a situation where um, you have actually one of the politicians in Ukraine, um, member of the parliament there, on video, essentially mocking the fact that they have... um, that they have uh, been killing these prisoners. And, you know, I'll tell you who I think took exactly the right approach 
this past weekend, and that was President Trump. Trump, and I didn't think to pull the audio, but he was speaking on Ukraine at one of these rallies, and he said, we must demand the immediate negotiation of a peaceful end to the war in Ukraine, or we'll end up in World War III, and there'll be nothing left of our planet, all because stupid people didn't have a clue. They don't understand the power of nuclear. Trump is exactly right. Exactly right. And it's so it's sad that you have now Admiral Mullen, very different from Trump, both philosophically and, and temperamentally. But you have Admiral Mullen and Trump, all who have a clue of the stakes here. And yet, uh, unfortunately, it's folks that want to continue this hawkishness who are getting to make policy on Ukraine. So I hope we hear a lot more from Trump on this. I was glad to hear him make those remarks uh, this weekend. But that's that. All right, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. But, yeah, you have this um, this politician in Ukraine, and he was quoted telling a Zelensky-affiliated channel, quote, we haven't had any time to put them in jail, meaning the Ru- the pro-Russian citizens of Ukraine in towns vacated by the Russian forces. So we haven't had any time to put them in jail. They disappeared somewhere. And he jokes. He jokes. Jokes about killing Ukrainian citizens, a member of the Ukrainian government. A local official jokes of massacring pro-Russian citizens of Ukraine in towns vacated by Russian forces. And these are the people we're funding and claiming our, our democracy? No, thank you. No, thank you. Count me out. Count me out. 800-848-9222. Hey, you know what we'll do? Let's do the $1,000 minute uh, because I've, I'm already getting too worked up over this Ukrainian situation. Um, let me tell you, today's $1,000 minute is going to be Columbus-themed. And I have mentioned the answers to all of the questions so far. So if you want to be the seventh caller, if you are the seventh caller, I should say, to 800-848-9222, that's 800-848-9222, you're going to chance, get a chance to play the $1,000 Minute, 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, all related to Columbus, all answers that I have given today. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Let's forget about the money. Let's forget about the money. 
Let's forget about Domani for Domani never comes tomorrow. Forget tomorrow. Let's live for now and anyhow who needs tomorrow. The moonlight. Let's share the moonlight. Perhaps together we will never be again. Oh, what a moon. Oh, what a sea. With such a moon and such a sea and you with me. I get so dizzy when you're standing near. It's not the music that you hear. My heart keeps beating like a jungle drum. Let's take the minutes as they speed away and hope it's true what people say when you're in love. Tomorrow never comes. The great Perry Como. It's Columbus Day. Um, and why, why don't we do a little Columbus-themed edition of... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Mike is our contestant today. Hello there, Mike. How you doing? I'm well, Mike. Mike, are you familiar with this? Are you familiar with this game? Yes. Okay, so you know the rules. I don't need to explain them to you. Okay, uh, let's get started if you're ready. Okay. In what year did Christopher Columbus make his first voyage to the Americas? 1492. What does D.C. stand for in Washington, D.C.? District of Columbia. What country sponsored Columbus's voyages? Spain. What Italian region is Columbus most likely from? Genoa. Name one of Columbus's three ships. Santa Maria. Who were the king and queen of Spain during Columbus's voyages? Isabel and Ferdinand. Which city hosts the largest Columbus Day parade? New York. Which country declined to fund Columbus's journey? Uh, England, also Italy. Uh, Italy, yeah. No, I'm sorry. There was no uh, Italy. I said, I said England as well. Oh, uh, well, so, okay. So, uh, so the England or Portugal is correct, but it sounded like you said Italy. So, I feel like we should I said England and then, or Italy. I said England though first. Right, right. Okay, so I think we should give him that, uh, Matt. Right. So, how much how much time was left on the clock? There was about twelve seconds. Twelve seconds left, and was that question seven or question eight? That that was eight. That I was believe. eight. Okay. All right. So we're going to we're going to give you the last two questions here with twelve seconds okay. on the clock, which I you think I think is very fair, right? Because yes, uh, where you know you did give the correct answer, and um, you know there were three que- three countries that passed on funding: England, uh, England, Port- uh, Portugal, and France. Now let me pull my my. Trivia questions up here again because we're at question eight, okay. which is already pretty All good right. for you. Okay, hang on one second here. Uh, pull these up here. Um, <clears throat> okay. Okay, so nine and ten. Um, all right. What native group did Columbus discover when he landed? 
uh, the Indians, otherwise known as the Native Americans, or the Tainos. Uh, actually, the Lucayan Indians. Lucayan Indians. No, uh, th- that is uh, that is absolutely uh, correct. What is the name of Columbus's son? Geronimo. Uh, uh, no. Um, what, what, what did you say? Geronimo. No. Uh, no. He, he had Jerome. two. Diego and Ferdinand uh, were were his sons. Diego was the eldest um, that accompanied him. Well, you did very well. So, w- did he get eight right or nine right, Matt? That would have been nine. Oh, so he got eight right. So that entitles. Oh no, no, he got nine right. He got nine right. He got nine right. The last. Yeah. Question so that that, get, that entitles him to I think two hundred and fifty dollars, right? As nine two fifty. That's my understanding. Let me look that up here before I misinform everybody and get our lawyers and uh, get, get have our lawyers yell at me. Hang on one second here. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my understanding. Is that I think that's two fifty, right? Yeah. All right. Well, so congratulations, Mike. You won. Uh, you uh, won two hundred fifty dollars with your knowledge of Columbus. I kind of knew that thing about Diego, but I just I, I froze. Yeah, that's what happened. Hey, when you're that close to the thousand, that's uh... I could think it was Geronimo because it's a fork called Geronimo. Right, right, right. I hear you. All right, well, Mike, well done. You've done better than anybody else has done in a long time. So nice, nice job. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, is that a check now that's coming my way? Or I'm not like sure. I think I think it might be um, like a, a, a Visa gift card, but I'm not sure. Honestly, I'll let you hash yeah. that out with our promotions. Folks. All right. All right, Mike. I'm going to put you on hold. Give your information to uh, give your information to Kenneth. Um, well, that was exciting, and I think we're on good. We're on firm ground there because he did mention the country properly, and then yes. he kind of expanded. Right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, those were not easy questions. He knew the Taino. I mean, that's that's good. I think that was good. All right, 9222 We're going to do 15 seconds of fame coming up in just a little bit, but. There, it, 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 there is something about Columbus Day that I always think of whenever it comes around. And that is a speech that Theodore Roosevelt gave in 1916 on Columbus Day. Now, think of what was going on in this country in 1916. There was a... Um, uh, the whole world was at war, but not the United States. He was eager to go to war, but we weren't there yet. And Roosevelt addressed a, I believe, a Knights of Columbus in New York. And he said the following on the subject of hyphenated Americanism. And I think this is one of the great speeches ever. Ever. And I... This is one of the reasons I have never called, well, not never, but this is why I rarely refer to myself as an Italian-American. Because I think Roosevelt really hits the nail on the head in terms of you really should be American. We're all from somewhere. And you could at the same time be proud of your culture, proud of your heritage, but make clear that there's no qualifier necessary to be an American. This is what Theodore Roosevelt said. Um... I stand for straight Americanism, unconditioned and unqualified. And I stand against every form of hyphenated Americanism. I do not speak of the hyphen when it's employed as a mere convenience, although personally I like to avoid its use in such a manner. I speak and condemn its use 
whenever it represents an effort to form political parties along racial lines or to bring pressure to bear on parties and politicians, not for American purposes, but in the interest of some group of voters of a certain national origin or of the country from which they or their fathers came. Americanism is not a matter of creed, birthplace, or national descent, but of the soul and of the spirit. If the American has the right stuff in him, I care not a snap of my fingers whether he's a Jew or Gentile, Catholic or Protestant. I care not a snap of my fingers whether his ancestors came over in the Mayflower or whether he was born or his parents were born in Germany, Ireland, France, England, Scandinavia, Russia, or Italy or any other country. All I ask of the immigrant is that he shall be physically and intellectually fit of sound character and eager in good faith to become an American citizen. If the immigrant is of the right kind, I am for him. And if the Native American, and he used it meaning as someone that was born here, not necessarily an indigenous person. And if the Native American is of the wrong kind, I'm against him. Now, for our own citizens, we represent many different race strains. Our ancestors came from many different old world nationalities. It will spell ruin to this nation if these nationalities remain separated from one another instead of being assimilated to the new and larger American life. The children and our children's children of all of us have to live here in this land together. Our children's children will intermarry, intermarry one another. Your children's children, friends and mine, even if they wish, they could not remain citizens of foreign countries. The effort to keep our citizenship divided against itself by the use of the hyphen and along the lines of national origin is certain to breed a spirit of bitterness and prejudice and dislike between great bodies of our citizens. I'll tell you, I love what Roosevelt said there. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the warnings, and I know he was talking about it in the context of World War I, and a lot of the warnings that he was describing there have proven prophetic. And I, I was thinking that a, lot, a great deal. Do you remember when those migrant caravans were coming here a couple of years ago where they were marching all through Central America, marching their way up to the United States? And I know everybody said these folks were being persecuted and everything. But then you see the videos of, and I'm look, my grandfather was an immigrant, right? And uh, I, he was very proud American, spoke broken uh, with a broken Italian accent all the time. Didn't speak English terribly well. Neither did his brother. Neither did his sister. They were all very proud to be American. But I would see these migrants that were coming here through Central America, not necessarily the ones that are arriving in buses at the Port Authority, but I would see the folks coming up here. And what were they doing? They were carrying the flags of their countries that they were leaving. And I said at the time, if you're fleeing a country because it's so horrible and you're desperate to take refuge anywhere else, why would you be carrying the flag of that country? Wouldn't you be carrying the American flag? The flag that's uh, uh, the country that's giving you hope and protection? So um, I, I, I think about Theodore Roosevelt's words a lot but especially on uh, Columbus Day. 
All right, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on anything we have covered thus far. That is 800-848-9222. I'm I'm looking forward to being at that parade today. You know, we got home so late yesterday, and I I barely had time to work on the show, that I I was so tired, even at the beginning of my workday, that I really didn't – I was in a kind of a rush because I was trying to get things done and, you know, get out of the house and come here. I didn't even have a chance to put on a suit. So I'm hoping that I can wear the jacket from our radio station and have it zipped up. And while I'm co-anchoring this coverage with uh, our owner, John Katsimatidis, nobody judges me too harshly for not having a suit on. I, I think I'm okay. We'll see. All right, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. We're going to do the $1,000 Minute coming up in a few minutes. And uh, we'll uh, we'll take your calls on, not $1,000 Minute, excuse me, 15 Seconds of Fame. Coming up in a few minutes where you'll get to be heard on any subject for 15 seconds. That's 800-848-9222. I did want to share with you, before we close the book on Columbus, a few popular misconceptions about Columbus. You know, there's one thing that the people who hate Columbus and the people that love Columbus seem to have in common. And that is the fact that they both get a lot of stuff wrong about it. So there's a bunch of things that you're going to hear. And I was listening to the radio over the weekend and on Friday, and I was amazed at some very professional people saying things that were factually inaccurate because they've been repeated so often. And so you're going to hear each of these 10 myths at some point today in all likelihood. So know that when you hear them, If you listen to me for the next minute, you'll know the truth. Number one, Columbus did not set out to prove the earth was round. Forget these myths that have been perpetuated by everyone from Bugs Bunny to Washington Irving. There was no need for Columbus to debunk the flat earthers. The ancient Greeks did that. As early as the 6th century B.C., um, the Greek mathematician Pythagoras surmised the world was round, and two centuries later, Aristotle backed him up with astronomical observations. By 1492, most educated people knew the planet was not shaped like a pancake. Two, Columbus was not the first European to cross the Atlantic Ocean. That was probably Leif Erikson. Could have been others, but it was probably Leif Erikson who landed in Newfoundland in 1000 A.D., almost five centuries before Columbus. Uh, Some historians even claim that Ireland's St. Brendan crossed the Atlantic before Erikson. I think Curtis, Curtis always tells the story about how when he was in Catholic school, he got into tr- in trouble, got, I think, beat by some of those nuns for claiming it was Brendan the Navigator and not Christopher Columbus. So while the United States commemorates Columbus, even though he never set foot on North American mainland, Leif Erikson Day on October 9th, yesterday, gets very little attention. You wonder why that's the case. Um, as we said, there were th- before Columbus went to Spain, there were three countries that refused to back Columbus's voyage. Portugal, England, France. The response was the same. No. 
The experts told Columbus his calculations were wrong and the voyage would take much longer than he thought. Um, Nina and Pinta. You know, we all know Columbus's three ships, right? Nina, Pinta, Santa Maria. Nina and Pinta were not the actual name of two of Columbus's ships. Um, In 15th century Spain, ships were generally named after saints. But sailors were kind of, you know, kind of gruff. So they would bestow less than sacred nicknames upon their vessels. So mariners dubbed one of the three ships on the voyage the Pinta, which is Spanish for the painted one or prostitute. So Pinta was prostitute. The Santa Clara, meanwhile, was nicknamed the Nina in honor of its owner, Juan Nino, uh, although, and the Santa Maria was the Santa Maria. So the um, that's interesting, I, I, I think. I, that's something I didn't know until recently. Um, the Santa Maria was wrecked in 1492. Uh, Christmas Eve 1492, a cabin boy ran Columbus's flagship into a coral reef on the northern coast of Hispaniola. And its crew spent a very rough Christmas salvaging the Santa Maria's cargo. Columbus returned to Spain aboard the Nina, but he had to leave nearly 40 crew members behind to start the first European settlement in the Americas. When Columbus returned to the settlement in the fall of 1493, none of the crew were found alive. Um, Columbus made—we all talk about the 1492 situation— Columbus made four voyages to the New World. You know what movie that is? It's not totally historically accurate, but it is a good movie nonetheless. 1492, Conquest of Paradise. Great film. Again, and it's I'd say there's a lot of accuracy in there. It's not 100% accurate. But um, it's Armand DeSante is in it. He doesn't play Columbus, but it's really well done. Great film. And it depicts him going back and forth four times. Uh, his voyages took him to the Caribbean islands, South America, and Central America. And, you know, as we've referenced before, Columbus returned to Spain in chains in 1500. His governance of Hispaniola at times was very brutal and very tyrannical. So a lot of the colonists complained to the monarchy about mismanagement. And and a lot of the Spaniards complained about his mismanagement. And a royal commissioner dispatched to Hispaniola arrested Columbus August of 1500, brought him back to Spain in chains. Columbus was stripped of his governorship, and King Ferdinand not only granted the, ultimately, he granted Columbus his freedom, but he then subsidized a fourth voyage. You talk about a comeback. You know, that's one of my favorite regular topics to do, history's greatest comebacks. That's a pretty big comeback. You leave the continent in chains and under arrest, and then the king frees you and says, all right, we're going to pay for one more voyage. It's pretty good. Here's what's interesting, especially based on our conversations with Dr. Sky. I think actually I learned this from Dr. Sky. I think he might have brought this up. A lunar eclipse may have saved Columbus. February 1504. Yes, it was Dr. Sky that told me about this. 
A desperate Columbus was stranded in Jamaica, abandoned by half his crew, denied food by the Islanders, and he knew the stars well. He relied on the stars for navigation. So he knew from his almanac that a lunar eclipse was coming on February 29th, 1504. So he warned the Islanders that his God was upset with their refusal of food, and the moon would rise inflamed with wrath as an expression of divine displeasure. And sure enough, on the appointed night, the eclipse darkened the moon and turned it red, and the terrified islanders offered food to Columbus, and they begged him to ask his God for mercy. And uh, obviously we've been talking about his uh, remains, what happened there. But um, the other interesting thing, Columbus's heirs and the Spanish monarchy were in litigation until 1790. Think about that. Wow. All right. So now now you should be pretty well informed when Columbus's name comes up today or anything Columbus did do or didn't do. If people tell you this or that, you know, now you know the story. Uh, The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. Mike in Lake George had a quick comment, though. Hello, Mike. Tomorrow, Frank. Um, You know, I got to uh, chime in um, before the 15 seconds and say the conversations Bernie and I had at the boardwalk. And I I even called uh, once a couple of years ago. I get four out of five questions, uh, and I tie Bernie, which was pretty cool. They they were softball questions, but anyway. Um, You know, uh, I, I was telling Bernie, uh, our connection uh, as, as friends, we became friends, was Cortland. And uh, he's about as humble as, as anyone you'd ever meet. If I was in Long Island, I'd take the Long Island Railroad train into Manhattan, and i go to St. Patrick's when they have a, a, a mass for him. Um, so uh, I raised a glass, like I said the other night, for Bernie. Um, all the best. And I had to turn the Met game off after the fifth inning. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, mean, I don't you know. Thanks, <laughs> you know. Mike. But um, you know what? Uh, Frank, uh, always good show. And that's why I'm tuned in. And um, uh, all the best. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Happy Columbus Day. 800-848-9222. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in uh, two minutes. You can be heard on any subject for 15 seconds. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
Thank you, Andy B. Hey, one quick thing I also looked up uh, because one of the callers brought it up, uh, and I was unsure. A caller said that um, that Columbus executed some of his men for, or some of the Europeans for abusing the natives. That's apparently true. Um, he had he punished and even executed some of the Europeans for abusing the natives. Bartolomeu de las Casas, although sometimes critical of Columbus's administration, wrote of the quote sweetness and benignity of the explorer and added quote Truly, I would not dare blame the admiral's intentions, for I know him well and know his intentions were good. So yeah, that is apparently true. Those of you that were wondering. See, I Google things so you don't have to. All right, without further ado, on this Columbus Day edition of The Other Side of Midnight, it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Norman! Teddy Roosevelt was a hypocrite because he approved of the lynching of Italian-Americans. Charlie! The Mets did it to us again. Pathetic. Gave up a 10-run lead. In, I mean, a 10-game lead to the Braves. Can't even get through a wild-card series with San Diego. Don't let Carmine be a Mets fan or a Yankee fan. Tell him to stay away from sports. Eve, uh, Cheech from Howard Beach. Hey, Frankie, what's the matter, you? Happy Columbus Day to all my paisans. And to all of those out there celebrating Indigenous People Day, ah, shut up for your faith. <laughs> uh, Eve, Frank. Yes, uh, Frank, my fourth degree, third, second, first degree membership in the Knights of Columbus. I discovered that retired ocean explorer Christopher uh, Columbus Colon Eduardo Shiloh was not a bad man. He was a very good man. Uh, Ralph. Okay, I want to give I want to give my shout out and regard to the country of Italy for reaching a historic moment electing a female leadership with Giorgia Miloni. Viva Italia! Paul. Excellent. I'm so excited. David. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know. Oh, yeah, his name was Cristobal Colon. That was his real name, the way he's pronounced. All right. Thank you, David. That slams the lid on things for today. Happy Columbus Day, everybody. Frank Moreno, good day. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.